0: All right, let's get this shit started so we don't lose too much time. And welcome back to Night Nerds. Tonight's episode, Matters at Hand, where we'll be covering the episodes sessions 10 through about 14. Our introduction of Gurn, getting to know the party, the disappearance of Forthus, and finding the goblin town and moving on to Interion. A whole mess of crap. Happening within the course of what would you guys say about a week?
1: Mm.
0: About an in game week. So, I guess we'll start at the beginning since we have a handful of our players John, Viking, Xander, and Heather. Welcome to Matters at
2: Hand. <clears throat> Appropriate. <laughs> <laughs>
0: As is the case for most Matters at Hand episodes, guaranteed we're going to get off topic, but let's try to keep that to a minimum. Viking. Yes, sir. An interesting nickname given to you because you and I happen to share the same first names. A rarity in this world, and yet somehow we're on the same fucking show. True,
2: true. You
3: get the same best friend.
2: We do. Hi, John. (laughs) Well, I mean were wives. So. That's true.
3: Yeah.
0: Anywhore, Viking, what does Gern think about his newfound friends?
2: Um, Gern, I wouldn't say friends, right? Like, Gern doesn't really know what friends are. Given his past, he was he was i mean he, he he does mention friends but um he's never had them before so he's just had the goblins which he's referred to as family so True. he 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 has said friends introducing these these random people to the goblins but I guess that would be built off of the the little bit of fun interaction he had during the snowball fight. It's true.
0: Snowball fight was uh, an inspired way to help kind of ease some tension with the disappearance of Forthus within the party um, and worked out well in reducing uh, Vice's stress level, which the effects of that stress were not revealed until actually about the end of session 14. But we'll we'll get to that a little bit later.
2: Um, but, uh, overall thoughts on, from Gurn in regards to the party is uh, he's open to the idea because he was eased into going out and exploring the world. So I feel like Gurn's leaning towards trying to see these people as his new family versus just friendship.
0: I gotta say, and it has been commented by somebody in the past Gurn, for as uh, simple spoken as he is has an interesting depth of character in his uh, wholesomeness, as I heard it put he's very you know, he's impulsive wants to have fun but will definitely jump on the opportunity to smash things
2: <laughs> including his head
3: Including himself, and eats spoons apparently.
4: As We're well as <laughs> fix that at some point, <laughs> as well as being willing to encourage people out.
0: Uh, yeah, that's uh, that's Karen's first big word, isn't it? Encouragement. It
4: is. hmm? See, I was I was interested to know, uh, or find out just now, that. Gern is capable of thinking about his party members.
1: Uh, I'm leaving it at that.
4: I didn't think he was capable of thinking about his party members. Yeah. Yeah, he
2: is. I would say I would say Gern is more wise than he is intelligent.
4: So... Never learned how to eat with a spoon. Nah, dog.
0: Yeah, that was definitely an interesting uh, moment.
1: <laughs>
0: <laughs> what are our other three characters think of Gurn as the latest addition to the party?
5: Um, Definitely adds to the... Uniqueness of our companionship that we have—it's um, actually interesting. Uh, where it's interesting to see uh, his character development coming through a little bit um, as we continue to learn more about Gurn.
4: So, Vice views gurn as more of a wild card than shat but finds him more entertaining than shat (laughs) like vice vice loves gurn but he's like this dude is one anti-goblin comment away from taking the mace that he calls stick and smashing somebody into a bloody pulp to the point that they are unrecognizable between mincemeat and the <laughs> and the bloody pulp. Like, Vice a little worried about that. Just a little worried. But he thinks he's fun as fuck.
1: <laughs> Encouragement.
4: <laughs> yep.
5: I mean, I kind of feel the same way. I feel like. Shatton, in her own way, is a wild card as well. It would do something kind of stupid, but, like, Gern, he would just go about doing it and kind of make it, I guess, funny, in a way? And it would just be downright entertaining. I don't know. That's... I think,
3: I think Moss kind of views him as... In some ways, like, Shatton, like, somebody who's got to babysit a little bit. Yeah. So they don't do something stupid. But at least with Gurn, he doesn't have to worry about him dying. That's true. Yeah. It would certainly seem that Gurn can handle his own. It's like you got a character with the smartness of Cax and the strength of Thrym.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I, I I have to say Cax may have been Cax may have been a bit smarter than Gurn only because of his life experiences you know gurn has effectively lived as a hermit with an adoptive goblin family who he hasn't spent like all of his time with yeah he grew up with them but as he grew older he kind of went up into the mountain to live on his own and he kind of visits periodically where kax i feel like kax spent a lot of his lifetime alone but in well-populated areas I mean, aside from his time with the gang, he was always in—he was always surrounded by people. So, like his—you know—his street smarts were probably far beyond Gurn's. I mean, Gurn ate a fucking spoon.
2: Yeah. He also, I mean, <laughs> sat in a chair with his feet and just kind of like hunched over. Initially, he didn't sit; he was just crouching in the chair. Yeah. yeah
0: uh regarding the uh what what you said Xander about just waiting for one anti-goblin comment um I was waiting to hit the initiative button when you guys were in markry's bedroom talking with favin because like yeah, like I was trying to uh, when playing favin I was trying to go for like it's clear he doesn't like the goblins, but he's trying to cover that with euphemism. And I was just waiting for Gurn to just take one thing the wrong way and take a swing at him.
2: He was oh,
3: too. I was so happy when he failed that <laughs> failed that check when I used command.
0: <laughs> See, that's a tough one because you use it the was. Word, you used the spell command, which usually dictates a it's... verb and truth is not a verb.
3: Well, it doesn't say verb; it says a
0: word. It doesn't. It says a word, but because the word was truth, I had to. That at that point, it's up to the DM's discretion. How does he? Right. How does he obey the command of truth? Does he reveal something? Does he speak the truth? Does he? You know how? How do I? I, I had I, I had to wrestle with myself on that one. Yeah. On how to? Yeah, he failed the check. Yeah, he had to obey the command of truth, but like.
3: I I honestly thought it was possible that you were just going to say that doesn't... You can't use that.
0: I wanted to, but I have... (sighs) I'm weird. There are some things that I'll absolutely say no to, like that doesn't work mechanics-wise. You can't pull this off. But then there are other things where I'm like, yeah, I want to go by the rule of cool. I want to say, sure, let's give this a shot. Yeah, the rule of cool. And in that case it fell under the rule of cool. Like, I gotta find a way to make this work. Had you done something like cast Zone of Truth, that would have been a different story. But you decided to cast Command.
3: Oh yeah, 100%. Well, I didn't have Zone of Truth, like, prepared.
0: I assumed. Um,
3: If I remember right, I think that's a second level spell slot. and I'm not sure I would have wanted to burn that just yet.
0: That's, which is fair, you know. (laughs) You didn't know what you were walking into, so if anything, you were being conservative with with your resources. Anyway, let's shift gears a little bit. Celine, you finally managed to make contact with Harrison.
5: Yeah, yeah. I I honestly. Um... I don't know. <laughs> I don't know how I feel about that situation honestly. Okay. Cuz like um I guess my character understands that she is being instructed to wear the necklace, but at the same time like she doesn't want her compatriots like she doesn't want Shatten to steal it for her from her. And at the same time she doesn't want them asking questions about it either yet yeah, that she's not ready to answer. So, that's why she keeps I guess placing it back in her bag mm-hmm. as a safety thing. Even you know though you
3: can just tuck the necklace underneath
4: your shirt and no one really knows you're wearing it. Yeah, yeah. I thought
5: about that too, but it's glowing <laughs> right now. That's the problem.
4: And and last time that she was like alone with a party member, they kind of groped her. So,
5: yeah, there's that too.
0: <laughs> Doesn't that happened twice?
5: Yeah, that's happened twice, and I'm pretty sure it was the same person. It was. Yeah, as I thought so.
0: And he's How much gone second now. Second time. I don't know. I feel like it's happened twice. First time is she left her, you know, she she got out of her wild shape and just turned back into a drow while in his hand, and I was like, all right, let's make this funny. You, you're you're holding her
3: ass. Uh no, the second time didn't end up happening because uh, it was when she was turning back from like uh, a, a moose into a thing and she went to buck him off and he finally realized what was going on and got off.
5: Oh, okay. Yeah. I couldn't remember if he did or not.
0: Oh, right. Because I was like, yeah, do you want to, are you are you going to signal him that you're shifting or is he, or are you just going to turn back into a drow with Forthus sitting on your shoulders?
1: <laughs>
0: yeah.
5: That's right. So yeah, no it didn't happen the second time.
0: Yeah. All right, so Selene is hesitant to wear the necklace for fear of losing it or, you know, whatever other reasons. We we know that the uh, the necklace is a very sensitive subject for her, so is she just not ready to approach that subject with the other party members?
5: Um, I don't, I don't know, I don't, I don't know if it's, like, necessarily, like, ready as it is, like, she doesn't know how to approach it. Like, she, I guess in a part, um, she knows that they'd probably understand and probably be a little bit more trusting of her, I guess, but at the same time, like, I don't know. I guess she doesn't want to open those old wounds yet. So I guess it is a part of her not being ready.
3: I was going to say, I feel like the only th- th- only person that has to worry about something of theirs being s- stolen by Shatten right now is Vice.
4: <laughs> yeah, last time Vice or, uh, Shatten touched one of Vice's things, though, she got threatened. So <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I think that that's a... I think that's a pretty good indication that Shat's gonna leave him alone just for a little bit. Yeah. Well, may- think... maybe not leave him alone, but not touch his stuff. Yeah. I
2: think that's really what I like, honestly Shat's done messing with people's things because right afterwards she went into the bag of holding, right? Yeah, she most, got a hold of the bag of holding. Like, dude, come on. Stay out of that shit.
5: Yeah, but wasn't she trying to put like something in it?
2: She did. Yeah, she did. Oh, that's right. And
5: she wasn't taking and things, things out, she was putting things
2: out later. Yeah.
3: Yeah, I've got pebbles and ball bearings in the bag of holding that <laughs> I can't get out.
0: <laughs> well, you can You you know full well that you can.
2: You just gotta do I just you don't what know
0: what the they air. are. <laughs> right but maybe Moss will come across someone who is more familiar with bags of holding and will tell you how to access the items within.
3: Or I could just cut it open.
0: Does Moss know that that would work? No, but
3: he also Dude, doesn't that's, know that, that's that the you thing. should never do that.
0: <laughs> well, no, because if you cut open a bag of holding, every all of its contents just spill out.
3: Period. Yeah,
0: same, same thing as if you turn it inside out. Right, same as you turn. If you turn it inside out, as a player, you know this. But the question is, does Moss know this? Does Moss know that all he has to do is turn the bag inside out, and yeah. everything will come spilling out? That's why he hasn't done that. Right. So.
4: Oh, that's gonna be so fucking great when he does, because ball bearings are gonna go everywhere.
0: <laughs> ball bearings, pebbles, but, like, beads of nourishment, a handful of potions
3: cutting the bag open would be something he would think of like I could do that but he Moss is smart enough to know when you cut a bag open you cut a bag open so chances are it doesn't work the same afterwards yeah
0: you can stitch it back together but good luck getting that shit back in right
5: yeah, but would it still be a bag of holding if you no. tear it open, though? Because no, I feel if, like if
0: you, if you damage a bag of holding, if you slice it open, all of the contents spill out. And even if you repair the bag, it is now just a normal bag. It yeah, will not that's... function. It will not function as a bag of holding anymore. The enchantment is lost.
3: The best bag of holding you can buy is the one that Cax bought
5: the bag of rats.
3: Xander's still wow. mad about it. Look
4: at him. I'm I'm actually <laughs> pissed. That was going to be that was actually planning to be the fucking best quiver ever. I literally would reach in and grab an arrow and throw one. It was going to be the perfect crime. Fuck you, Xander. You don't get a perfect quiver. That's what happened. That's what Matt said. He didn't he said it in less words though.
3: No, I'm pretty sure he said it in more words. He said you reach into the bag of holding and you get bit and as you pull your hand out, so does 500 rats. See, that's way more
0: words. I was going to say that, that (laughs) fuck you, that fuck you, Xander, you know, I've taken away your perfect quiver. I'm pretty sure that lasted
4: a whole fucking episode. We did, which turned into (laughs) Gax wanting to murder an elemental. Which is still one of my favorite games. Oh, yeah. we did kill her anyway
3: I love how Cax was the one that just wanted like really wanted blood and Nixon Thrym were the ones that just massacred her before they even got there
0: yeah hey vengeance for our little cobalt friend we support each other in the nameless party from the matters of the gods no it was Cax's crew no it wasn't oh <laughs> I refuse to acknowledge that name I liked
4: it of course you did Everybody still, like, except Nick's.
3: I still think our name for this group should just be the one that gets announced like every time, almost every time Gurn speaks. We should just call our group Gurns. Like, who are you guys? Gurn. <laughs> <laughs>
1: yeah.
4: <laughs> it seems like the simplest way to do it. It it is it is more quite encouragement. Who are you, encouragement?
0: (laughs) (laughs) Actually, I really like the darker implications of that.
3: I I actually like that that one, too. I think that might actually, that should be our group's name. (laughs) But Gern has to say it every time.
5: Yes. (laughs) He has to say it. (laughs) That'd be amazing. Gern,
2: that's a, like, a threatening word for Gern
5: that's why it works out exactly
2: <laughs> Gern wants to uh kill when he says that <laughs> and it works out beautifully for his purpose
0: <laughs> now announcing to his royal highness encouragement <laughs> <laughs> and you all just walk in brandishing sticks <laughs> <laughs>
2: wrapping fucking torch wick
0: yeah that was an interesting little craft you made
2: yep Well, I figured the mall was metal I was just hoping it didn't get too hot to where he burnt his hands on it no
0: no given the size of it you'd have had to have had that thing sitting in a fire for quite a while before the handle started to burn you but the thing is that the head of it is effectively bladed so i was waiting for anything that you decided to hit with it for those blades mm-hmm. to slice through the wick that's why when you struck it against the wall i was like all right this is severed now yeah. and, you know the wick is hanging on like barely that's yeah about it but because of that I also had in mind that if you swung against a creature with it and the wick was still burning and still attached that you would get to deal fire damage. That's why on your first swing against those creatures I was like, "All right, deal your damage and add like, well, I don't know, like an extra d6 2D4. of fire damage." 2d4, 2d4, sure. Yeah. I was like, "You know, have a have a little fire damage with that." Didn't take vice long to figure out what to do with those creatures.
4: No, nah, I mean, he watched one burst into flames and he was like, my time to shine baby
0: (laughs) those creatures were actually a lot of fun I was really happy I came across them too Um, they have a mechanic built in where if they drop below 50% on their hit points um, they become susceptible to fire damage you know they end up with a weakness to fire damage below 50% of their their hit points and I was like all right, this is cool Um, it's called a cave fissure
3: I thought that's what that was. Yeah. I mean, you yeah, yeah, those... flavored them as spiders, but I mean they no, are tech
0: kind no, of No, they are they're arachnoid. Yeah,
3: they are arachnoid. arachnoid. You're right. Um
0: and and that's how I tried to frame them. You know, they look like spiders with like scorpion-like claws on their front sides. Cuz that's effectively what they look like, you know. Yeah. You, you look at one and it's it's like a scorpion missing its tail with extra claws, and it spits sticky webbing. It's about Is it what blind? that's about what they are. Yes, um, they don't have eyesight. Of like echolocation and sound and shit. Pretty much, they are. They have blind sight to sixty feet. They utilize other sensors, but they do not have actual eyes. So they they, they track by sound, sound and scent primarily. Which is why they couldn't. That's why that's part of why they weren't tracking you in the caves. Because, as I constantly try to describe, is that sound is bouncing everywhere in these caves. That's why it's so difficult to track things. There's so many different caves that the echoes are just coming all over the place. So, they could only really track you guys when you got very close. Um
2: that's when they got started. The, m- start. the hashets.
0: Because they're, they're, they're an ambush up. predator. They're, they're effectively an ambush predator. They wait for something to get caught up in their lines or just walk a little bit too close and then they'll jump on you. But yeah. All right. Um. Vice. At me? That you. Did you have fun with your first time hitting three points?
4: motherfucker I've been waiting to hit three points for so fucking long and like so just so everyone knows right like when when Robin's been saying add a point subtract the point add a point subtract the point subtract the point add a point this has been built into my character since like session seven since where, you got to the mountain yeah where we took just, a wrong
0: turn at a tree that's what, yeah.
4: which I love. I love that description. Oh yeah, because that's it's not a lie. No, nah, we, we went to the wrong tree.
1: Yeah, <laughs>
4: but like, um, I've just had. It's. Can I disclose what it is? It's what actually it actually like, is? Yeah, it's a stress counter. So when Vice is stressed, he starts this transformation. Um. And so by playing music and by interacting and, like, having a good time, his stress has been lower. Um, or was getting lower. And then as more stressful things happen around him and to him, stress goes up. And then the second that he fucking was at three points of stress and got hit, that was enough to just fucking trigger it. And just explosive cold force at that point. Um, I've just been waiting so fucking long to use it. But Vice is primarily a backline's character. Um, so my concern as a player this entire time, which isn't going to change my playstyle, um, is fuck. I'm going to get hit with like a stray arrow and fucking blow up our backline <laughs> like by accident. And then I just happened to get yoinked into the middle of a fight and detonate in a spider's face, which was so fucking cool. And I've been working with that flavoring for so long. Um, And it just so happens to be in a fucking damp cave where there's water everywhere.
0: Oh, yeah. I love that that went off inside the Misty Cave. And we could describe like the water droplets hanging in the air instantly freeze. And you all hear a shower of ice landing in the water it was beautiful
4: thin sheet of ice covers the entire water before being cracked by the concussive force around it or following it Uh, so much fun but yeah I I absolutely love that Uh, I was stoked to be able to use it Um, but yeah that's why Vice has been blue and then was back to his original pale color and then went right back to blue shortly thereafter when he got stressed (laughs) again but honestly that's that's one of the things where like looking at, at the at this campaign or like looking towards the future of this campaign I'm looking at it and I'm like this is the first time I've ever even seen something like this implemented.
5: Great. Right? I've seen homebrewed
4: fight. spells. I've seen homebrewed classes. I've seen homebrewed uh, items. Never seen a fucking homebrewed mechanic like that.
2: Could vice potentially control his stress level to maybe eventually cast a frost fire bolt at some point who knows who who knows we know that
0: vice can control his stress levels to a point by doing the things he loves you know by by putting on his stage name and, and performing and having a good time like with any person if you do something you love you're going to reduce your stress levels inherently that's why when uh, you guys were in the goblin village and vice went up on uh, you know on top of one of the stones and started playing for the goblins he rolled really well on her on his um performance checks and whatnot so i was like okay this 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 all works out really nicely and i'm like vice is having a wonderful time doing this yeah it's a weird audience but he's getting a lot of positive attention and he's having a blast doing this anybody in that situation their stress would be going down and that's why I had him remove a point. And, like, you know, the snowball fight, that was a big thing. And Xander, when you were talking, describing the snowball fight to, I think it was Celine, like, you know, what they, what, you know, Garnet started a snowball fight and she's like, I have no idea what this is because Celine's never dealt with snow before. Because you weren't a victim in that situation and you, you deliberately described that Vice is actually kind of having fun with this because he gets to participate and not get targeted. I was like, that kind of relief, that kind of self-realization would also lower stress, causing him to lose a point. But then other things would cause
3: the points to come back and build. Now, he didn't lose any points when he was playing in the tavern. Because somebody kept booing him.
0: (laughs) It's a combination of that, but more so because of Crystal. I think I know I think I know Vice is a character well enough that if he's asking if he's questioning someone and they're being consistently evasive and annoying and butchering his name, his stress is going to be going up and down and up and down and never actually going anywhere.
4: Yeah. If, if you would have asked me to lower a point, I was going to DM you and be like, I don't think Vice is any less stressed by playing, even though he's playing well. And Gurn's going, boo, from the back over all the cheering and the happiness and the sounds of the bar. You hear a concussive voice from Gurren. I don't, I don't think he'd be less stressed in that situation. So, yeah, I, I would have... I would have made a point like a a point to be like, are you sure? Like I'll do it if you want me to, but I don't, I personally don't think he's less stressed. So I was, I was really happy that he didn't lose a point there too. Um, but yeah. Yeah. No, even if, even if I had just done
0: it as simply as, Hey, he's performing, he's performing well because of the nature of the conversation you were having while you're performing. I was like this I can't remove, I can't remove or add this, this literally cancels out.
2: I was disappointed in myself in that scene.
4: For not booing more.
2: No, when uh, when you gave me the chance to describe my uh, my character to Crystal, and I didn't. Oh yeah. I didn't deliver to uh, to my expectations, so I'm going to work better on that type of stuff.
0: Okay, you'll on. have. You'll have more opportunities. Um, one of the things that uh, I've learned by listening to other DD podcasts is that like the characters will describe the image of the character. The, play- the players will describe the character image like once. And that's it for an entire campaign. And, you know, you might if you were paying a lot of attention in those few minutes where they describe the character, you might create a mental image for that character. For the rest of the campaign, for the rest of the hundreds of hours you may spend listening to that show, I would I prefer to have the occasional reminder of what these characters look like. You know? So if a new character comes into play, like with Madison playing Crystal, she also needs that, those character images. So she can create a mental picture of what you guys look like and who she's interacting with. So it works on two sides. It works for new players and it works for the audience to have that mm-hmm. reminder. Um, especially if like you guys change your attire, like with vice incorporating the, uh, the brass or bronze
4: buttons. amidst They're his brass, gold ones. I, I, I fucked that up. They're brass, not bronze. which is,
0: which is fine. Um, but the non gold buttons that he got from Kent, you know, he's incorporated them into his coat and that's a nice touch. That's a nice little, like, you know, we met this little blue goblin and, and we love him. So we're going to honor him by wearing the gift that he gave to us, you know? So having, you know, if there's ever a little change in your character's appearance, it's nice to have those reminders to, uh, to reinforce them, to, to maintain those mental images.
2: Yeah. I mean, I could have went in to the fact that, I mean, Gurn was eating with his hands that whole time. So he could, food-stained, and blah, 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 blah. But right. I just kind of fucking jumbled it up and was like, yep, that's about it.
0: That's fine. So, I mean, it was early in the session, and I kind of caught you off guard with it, so,
2: you know. Yeah.
5: So, back to Viking's comment earlier. Um, Don't feel bad about your description sucking, because, like, I have to literally write mine down. And then read it word for word or else i'm just sitting there and i'm winging it and it sounds like shit i i have trouble describing my character too because i literally sit there and i'm like what does she look like what is she wearing like i try to make as much of a picture as i can and it's hard sometimes
3: i mean think about mine yeah i'm basically a giant snapping turtle that's about all you need to know like (laughs)
5: Yeah, but, like, I feel like my character's a little complicated because, like, she has a bunch of different colors in her hair and braids and vines and whatever the fuck she has and, like, dark skin color and shit. I don't know. Just so, so much going on.
4: The way that I do it... Let me pull up... Let me pull up Bryn. So Bryn's a character that I've had for a very, very long time. Um, In fact, I've had Bryn since probably been like seven years minimum uh that i've had bryn as a character design and i've played her a few different ways uh and she's had a couple different descriptions um but let me pull up her bio and i'll read it or her character sheet in her description and i'll read it as it's written bryn seldom wears black and other dark colors Instead, she favors natural and earthy-colored clothing underneath a bright red cloak. She prides herself on her looks and appearance, constantly making sure that she looks her best, wearing a modest amount of jewelry. Um, And then to expand that, to make it feel like you're actually observing her, I describe her physical appearance, which is that of a high elf who has um, bronze skin with red eyes, Black hair with white strands on either side. The interesting thing about Brynn um, is in the one-shot, when you would have heard me describe it, uh, it's not actually, Robin, I think you might think this based on reading the character sheet, but it's not an alter self at all. Her hair is actually, like, due to something that happened in her backstory that I worked with another DM when I was first designing her, is actually directly fucking tethered to the spells she casts. So as she casts a spell, whatever that fucking spell might be, if she casts it out of her right hand, the right strand goes that color. If she casts it out of her left hand, the left strand goes that color. So we've had interesting scenarios where she had, like, haste and was able to take two actions where she Like, basically, twin cast, um, Fireball, and uh, I think it was Lightning Bolt in a different campaign. It was Fireball and Lightning Bolt, and one hair was just, like, one strand was looking just fucking bright, bright white-yellow. And the other one was just fucking fire red, which was really cool. But what I do is I, I start with physical description, describing height, what their skin color looks like, what they might look like to someone that knows what a high elf would look like. Describe that. And then I move on to the clothing, describing what kind of armor they're wearing, if they're wearing anything over it, if they might have a bow on their back or a quiver. And instead of reading it off the list, I just go off of that. And it's it's a comfort level with your character and knowing what your character looks like at any given moment, depending on what they're wearing. Um, but I know that I started with fucking writing it out, (laughs) like taking, taking an active note in what she looks like and then going, okay, I have to describe this. So let me, let me write something down real quick and read that. But as soon as you get more comfortable with your character and knowing what they look like, it's, it's not too far of a step to just go. Here you go.
3: I just said somebody draw Thrim. That was...
4: (laughs) (laughs) That's another reason I I honestly look at my character picture a lot when I describe them. Um,
5: I do as well. That's honestly what I do a lot. I'm looking at my character's picture as I'm kind of describing it and then kind of like tweaking it a little bit here and there. I don't know. I try to be poetic a little bit with my descriptions as well. Like I try to compare it to something else, like just so I guess it kind of makes sense in a way. Like that's why I'm constantly describing, oh, her skin's gray, like storm clouds or Mm -hmm. her eyes are green like moss, like trying to like make those descriptions so that it's more kind of a picture in your mind.
3: Yeah, you got I'd, like 15 times the amount of stuff when you have a, a subscription and it wasn't that much so I was like, yeah, worth it.
4: Dude, 25 yeah. a year is not bad. I'm I'm going to have to use this, aren't I?
3: And I mean, honestly, even if uh, it's kind of just like, fun to fuck around cool. with.
5: It looks like it. I've honestly I, um, debated on using it, but another... I don't know if I have enough time to sit around and make a one-shot, let alone I don't know if I have the skill to be a DM either, so so I don't want to really bother with that.
4: I'll, I, I'll, I'll give a little insight for anyone uh, that might be interested in DMing at some point. I'm going to be the first person to tell you it's easier than you think. Oh yeah, it's not um, that hard. That's not to say it's easy, because I fucking know it's not easy, but I DM'd a campaign, I think it was, I think it started like two years ago, I DM'd a campaign. Um, I ran out of time, is what happened, like, I just didn't have the free time to keep doing it anymore, Um, and that's poor time management skill on Xander's part, but... Ultimately, if you've got a Dungeon Master guide or have access to one through PDF, you don't even have to memorize cover to cover. Like, there's basic rulings that you have to understand. Uh, you have to have a general understanding of spells and how things work, um, which you learn over time playing DD. and um, A basic, and I mean a fucking basic, understanding of the classes that your characters are playing. Like, if your party's playing those characters... You'll, you just need to, need to have a basic understanding of those characters and their limits and what they're really good at. Because as much as the DM, it's the DM's world that the characters are playing in, it's not. It's, in my opinion, and please other DMs, or other people with DM experience, speak up and correct me if you disagree or give me your take because I'm interested. I don't view it as my world that, the players are playing in i view it as their story that i'm telling like i'm putting things in their world for them to interact with and then they do it and i tell them what happens when they do
3: yeah like basically i mean yeah you're technically writing the story but it's the players lives so you can have a bunch of things like I've had a bunch of things that nobody's found because they just didn't go that route or they didn't talk to this beggar on the side of the street sucks to be you. That would have been a great person to talk to.
4: Mm-hmm. And that's, that's one of the things that I absolutely love about D is I used to do probably 10 hours um, of prep is prepping every fucking week um, for that for a session that took three hours. And it's not because it needed ten hours of prep for three hours of gameplay. It was because I was prepping things in advance. I was prepping things off on the side because I knew my players. I knew that if I put something in front of them, they'd go, not fuck you, too obvious, and do something else. But that was a table that I had. That were They were very RP heavy. They weren't super combat heavy. And they wanted those RP interactions with even themselves and NPCs, they fucking convinced the city guard with an insane role that the taxidermist (laughs) excuse me that the taxidermist in a town that they were in, right? Was trying to sell a taxidermied human head and instead of them going to jail... The taxidermist went to prison. <laughs> like, why the fuck did my party have a human head? It's a damn good question. I don't know why they took it, but they did. Why did they want it taxidermy? No fucking clue, but the dude that, <laughs> that got another man killed definitely had some weight on his conscience at that point on. Like, there's only so much you can really do to railroad a, a group. Like, if you want to railroad them, you can. Um, But I was always ever-expanding towns and writing just the stupidest, intricate the most intricate bullshit just for them to find. And I knew that there was like a 90% chance that they'd never go down that rabbit hole. But if they did, there was going to be something for them every single time. And if I wasn't quite ready for it, I could improv it and get them on a track that was a little more prepared. It's kind of rolling with the punches and being able to still provide something for what they do.
3: I mean, one of my groups, I was kind of ripped off Matt a little bit with the City of Brass, a completely different, like, story arc in the City of Brass, but, like, I was kind of ripping them off a little bit. And uh, they were supposed to be there for, like, two or three games tops. They've been there, like, it's been three months now. We play every two weeks. <laughs> That's a bit much. No, what's going to be really fun for them was one of the things I stole. I stole from Matt about that was uh, Rex.
1: <laughs>
4: they're going to yeah. get out of the city of Mo- or the city of Bronze as soon as they find Rex. Yeah. <laughs> oh no, <laughs> they
3: they're they're staying at Rex's. Uh, it's not called the same thing, but yeah they're staying there what they're gonna find out next week is the Grand Sultan that they need to get out of Fireplane is actually Rex
5: that's great
4: oh it's gonna be fun I would have I would have I would have just killed him (laughs) Cax hated Rex Cax hated every kobold this is true
5: yeah that's very true
3: You had no reason to hate Rungle
4: Rungle was an angel (laughs) Rungle was better than Cax And Cax thought he was better than every other kobold that he'd ever run into That's why Cax hated Rex Or Cax Uh, hated Rumble He was jealous Yeah Cax had met just enough kobolds to go I'm better than every kobold that I've ever met and then he met Rungle, and Thrim liked Rungle more, and he's like, I fucking hate this guy. <laughs> <laughs> I want him dead. Never did anything about it, though.
3: Yeah, I think it's. I think how, like. I mean, it works for CAX, but I think how stupid that would be. It'd be like you, like, wanting to kill Robin because I like. I, like, me and Robin have history and go back way <laughs> farther. Like yeah, yeah I've known this guy for like 4 months. You like this you I, guy you've known for years better? <laughs> yeah, but you
4: and I didn't go through combat together for a long time and save each other's asses multiple times. Also, Rungle didn't get the get the parrot treatment. Jax did. Did Rungle ever get to ride on through him shoulders? <laughs> Not that I'm aware of I mean
5: no, I don't It think so wasn't either. written
3: in my backstory But like I'd imagine probably
4: Oh now Cax really hates it <laughs> <them. laughs> Those are my shoulders Motherfucker
3: I was gonna Oops. say Rex did So I think I I think Thrym just picks up Cobaltz and puts them on, on his shoulders
4: <laughs> And then picks up gnomes And puts them on his Exactly
0: Um, to what you were saying, Xander, the, so in reference to like players and their world versus my world, whatever, regarding our current campaign, you guys are absolutely playing in my world. I have designed this world, the rules that regulate it, the, the towns, the, the people within Aside from like basic like races and character descriptions and and like mechanics and whatnot, this world is entirely homebrew. I have borrowed nothing from any other books or any other sources. I haven't even stolen anything from Matt. So from my perspective, this is my world. But the world is vast and this campaign is centered on your party, your groups, your interactions with this world. I have created the world but I cannot write how you guys interact with it. So this story is still absolutely yours. I have a world, I have the various things that are going on within this world, and it is up to you and how, as to how you interact with the world as it exists. So it's kind of a combination of both. You know, I've created the world, I've written the story of the world. You guys created your characters and are writing the story of your characters. And neither could really exist without the other. You know, I could create this whole world. It would be useless if I didn't have you guys to play in it. It'd basically just be, you know, a handful of really pretty maps. Thank you. Sitting on on my hard drive for years to come with no one to touch them. I'll touch your pretty man. Which is funny that you guys are. It's funny that you guys have been talking about creating worlds and map building and all that. And while we're having these discussions, I am actively editing a map.
4: That's funny because I'm actively making chainmail. I was actively playing a game and then I got talking about D&D and wanted to make more chainmail.
2: I am actively creating a map.
4: Yeah, that, I th- I think that's a that's a fair assessment of. Sorry, I realized I wasn't talking to the microphone for part of that because I was looking down too far. Um, I think that's a fair assessment of a lot of D and D. Is yes, it is the DM's world. The DM does create it where they borrow worlds or cities or towns from other places or maybe even characters, but the story is not the DM story. No. It's, it's a, the DM provides the setting. The DM provides the description. The DM provides the description for the obstacles, but the players are really what write the story. DM writes bullet points, in my opinion, or
0: oh, interactions. God, yeah. I mean if you guys saw the notes that I have for each <laughs> for each like session or wherever you guys are going in the story, I write out notes for where the story is gonna go from here. And there's a lot of if this then that, if not this, then that. There's a lot of that going on. And if you were to look at my notes, they read like screenplays where it's like such and such a person is going to say this. And then right underneath that is role play ensues. Moss reacts. You know, I I have no dialogue for what you guys are going to say or do. And then I have like minor notes for like, you know, if it goes this direction, this is the path that it'll follow. If it goes this direction, it'll follow this path, but there's never any telling which way you guys are going to go. So I can, I can, You know, I could sit here and tell myself that I'm writing this story, but I'm not. Like you said, Sandy, it's bullet points at best. You know, it's it's notes, it's bullet points, it's best guesses. And you guys are filling in all the blanks.
3: And then again, like, and that's part of the reason sometimes backstories are so important, too. Oh, yeah.
0: Backstories are huge. Cause I, I love you. Like you guys are great with your backstories and coming up with them. And I love taking those and just expanding them to hell. Like, you know, you'll send me with the exception of you, John, you guys might send me a paragraph or two. John will send me a novel. Um, but then I can take that and just be like, okay, let's, let's blow this up or let's take this. This like, you know, two paragraphs of backstory and let's stretch this into the main campaign where I'm going to, you know, give you little breadcrumbs here and there. Like uh, when Gurn finally returns to the goblin town, Kent takes him down to his shop and shows him like, hey, we found wreckage and shows him the flag from that wreckage like that. That's just a little that's just a little breadcrumb. And you took off with it, you know, instantly Gurn's pissed off. He's slamming his head into a wall, busting down the wall to the adjacent room. You know, the whole thing just kind of went off. But like, that was just a little tidbit. You know, mm. you guys don't know when you're actually going to get into what would be considered Gurn's arc. You guys don't even know whose arc you're in right now. But that's the
4: beauty of this. Yes. I'd like to believe that we're in Fartham's arc. Farthus? No. It's Northam and Farthus. Fartham. Fartham's. Okay. Yeah. Okay. That's the arc we're in right now.
0: Okay. I like speaking of Northam. Um I like Fuck the Fuck Northam. I like the way that you have described Vice's drama regarding the incident with northam back at the tower um you know the fact that you guys got into the tree and he didn't I like how you've played that out so far
4: so I've I've taken I will admit I've taken inspiration um from I, I think anyone here that fucking has ever watched it you're listening to a D podcast takes inspiration from somewhere um i've taken inspiration from other players on how to deal with things like that i was watching I'm, I'm not gonna i'm not gonna pimp anyone else's fucking podcasts uh i'm not i'm not you guys uh with critical role oh fuck there we go again um <laughs> but i i've watched players that i would consider better than me Um, at role-playing, at D&D in general, at understanding uh, the mechanics of D&D play in such a way that I'm like, that's fucking cool. Like, there's one podcast series in mind for me when I talk about this um, where someone was afraid of spiders. Like, we're talking deathly afraid of spiders as character. And so in order to even fight... A giant spider. Dude had to down a bottle of. uh, Like a, a potion of bravery or something or a potion of courage. To even fucking stop himself from just leaving. But instead he like downed that and it gave him like the stat boosts of all that shit. And then he activated like a like a like a rage mechanic. And just charged in. And with that, I was like, "That's a, that's a fucking level." So I I brought that in when when something physically like something in front of Vice reminded him of Northam, he was done. Just couldn't fucking handle it. <laughs> I didn't have Vice just leave and vacate the area because I I was like, Vice is smart enough to just shut down as opposed to just walk away into the bitter cold that is outside um but he just can't deal with this right now
3: yeah one thing like I've listened to a few D&D podcasts and I got to say I was last night I was re-listening while I was writing some stuff for tomorrow's game, I was re-listening to the uh, final episodes of uh, The Matter of the Gods. That moment when Cuddy comes back, like, that has, like, I've listened to a few d d podcasts, and that has to be one of the, like, the best moments, like, I've heard in a podcast.
0: Yeah, I mean, a character that disappeared for, like, a really long time, and then just suddenly shows back up, that was... That was needed.
3: Hmm. Well, I mean, considered, considering he had legendary actions, yeah.
1: <laughs>
3: yeah, that's
0: that. Uh... <laughs> well, he came back the champion of a god. Like, he I, went off I to bet...
4: discover himself. He really fucking discovered himself. I bet Matt had to, <laughs> had to give him that to get him to come back. What if... What if I? What if I make you the champion of a god? Mm, yeah, I'm in. Kidding, Matt. Love you. Okay.
0: Look at you go. I'm building a map, Viking.
4: Uh, listeners, you are now all watching Viking, uh, build a map.
1: Ooh.
4: Uh this It is a, a is and when I describe a crater, I mean it's a it's a circular mountain range. Um, but it, in the middle of this mountain range is a lonely mountain that kind of looks like the nipple on the teat that is this mountainous cavern or this mountainous uh, cr- uh, crater.
0: It huh. would appear to be a caldera. and I was caldera.
4: See, that is a word I did not know. and instead I just thought mountain titties.
2: I wish no, I had fair. a paid for version because I would definitely make that a lava mountain. A.K.A. Volcano. <laughs>
4: Alright. I would make that a lava mountain. <laughs> oh god. Burns right. infecting his brain.
2: I wonder how deep that water is.
5: <laughs> Alright.
0: Viking, end your stream real quick. So I can share with you guys for a second.
3: Is this uh, going to be like that time I tapped into the one Xander popped up and it was just hentai? <laughs>
2: <laughs> Tentacle hentai though, of course. It was.
4: <laughs> it was, uh, yep. So hey. Uh, hey, that was worth it.
0: I've been working <laughs> on I've been working on this map for months. Not months. Uh,
4: Listeners, we are are now looking at Robin's map.
0: This is a map that I've been working on for I want to say I've put about 12 hours into this so far. Um, This is a city that you guys will eventually get to. It's way down the road. But, um... Just... Zoom in here real quick. Let's uh kill that. And like, if we just zoom in, this is just the town. This is like the beginnings of the city. And like, there's... this There's outer walls surrounding forest and whatnot, and then more surrounding forest. And like, this whole area... I haven't finished it because I started at the core And I'm working out But what you're looking at right now Is only the central market And The uh The richer parts
4: of town Yes Xander I think I know What city this is can I say Yeah you can Is this Green Coast City Yeah I can tell because the coast is green. Yes,
0: this is (laughs) this is this is what will be Green Coast City. And let me just show you something real quick.
4: So this uh, is what I my headcanon of Neverwinter looked like. Like I liked Matt's map, but like this is what Neverwinter should have been to me
0: so let's see real quick because one of the first maps i built was one for green coast where are you where are you you? down at the bottom
4: is it down at the bottom second one from the right
0: yeah yeah this is the original green coast map one of the first maps that i built and i was like oh cool i made a city look at this and i actually exported it and i sent it to Matt when i was originally designing this campaign and i was like hey look what I made because I was all proud of myself for getting better with incarnate. And he said something that really stuck with me. Um, Hey, that looks great. You're going to get better the more you practice. And I was like, Oh, that's a little underhanded. That's, that's some interesting advice. So this is the original concept for green coast city where again, you know, lots of trees, lots of Hills forked road into a walled city, you know, that kind of thing. But I was like, all right, this is all fine and dandy and whatnot, but it feels too simple to be Green Coast City because Green Coast City in this world is meant to be like the major trading hub. Mm -hmm. It's central to the world. This is where everybody brings their stuff for trade. You definitely
2: gave it a lot more of an import-export feel right with the new with the like, way that it with, looks with the, now you know, versus this yeah for
0: for the listener's sake the old map is a simple curved coast a couple of docks a handful of ships you know and a very new york you know square you know gridlock pattern roads and paths with you know buildings and whatnot but like the new green coast I've set it up with like, you know, tributaries and coves and all of these different points of egress where all these different kinds of trade can happen. And when you guys do get to this city, this map will be treated a lot like the overworld map or the the, the Green Coast City map will be treated like the overworld map where it's fucking huge. And, you know, it takes so much time to get from one section to another. And, you know, if you want to visit a particular Set of shops you're going to have to go to a particular section of the city, much like we did with Neverwinter. In Matters of the Gods, you know, we had to, you know, if we needed to return that book, we had to go to the expensive part of town. If we needed to do some trade, we had to go to the center of town where all the where all the shops were. Uh, if we needed to do some skeevy things, we had to go to the slums. There's going to be all of that kind of stuff going on in Green Coast because it's a big fucking city. It's where everybody coalesces. So, but I, tr- I tried to maintain the themes, you know, with the hilly green backdrops and lots and lots of trees because this city is right on the outer edge of Celine's home of the Eternal Shade Forest, which is a massive, like, you know, for the listeners' sake, the Eternal Shade Forest takes up about a third of that continent. So, like...
3: A, that's a lot of space. So, where's oh. the uh, possum kebab stand? Um,
4: it's funny. It's run by a kobold.
3: It is. It doesn't know how to
4: spell possum.
0: Yeah, John, you didn't get to see these maps because you didn't play. But
2: yeah, I think I'm gonna buy the uh, twenty-five dollar version of Incarnate.
0: Honestly, the twenty-five dollar a year subscription is so worth it. Yeah, just with, just with all it. of the the tokens and and color schemes and filters and all the crap that you get with it, it's it's worth it. Honestly, guys, <laughs> I look at the maps that I built for like for my you know, my for my first one shots and whatnot,
4: and they're just. <laughs> Matt wasn't wrong, was he? In that... No. It annoys you just a little bit, doesn't it?
0: It really does. It really does. But it's something that, you know, I've, I've taken to heart with this entire campaign. Just that phrase. You'll get better the more you practice. And I was like, and I look at like myself from like the beginning of this campaign to where we are now. Like at one point, and this is, you know, it matters of hand, this is incredibly meta, but at one point during your time in the Goblin Village viking messaged me i want to go to where all the goblins are sleeping but i want you to describe it and i was like i i, I really appreciated that because it showed that i was doing well as a dm in my descriptive narration and i was like i felt like i'd come such a long way since lament you know the first one shot where i my first time being a dm where I'm trying to describe this stuff and stumbling over my words and, and losing my descriptors, to where a player is choosing to let me narrate and describe something, I was like, that, "That's a pretty cool pat on the back."
2: Oh yeah, dude, you did it some solid justice too. It was the the episode cap like to close it off? I was like tear jerk. Fuck it. A big stupid gurn with a blanket of goblins.
0: But that's just it. Like, you know, as is kind of a cliche, but it's still cinematically or thematically wonderful is to leave off an episode on a cliffhanger. You know, it keeps people hooked. Like, oh my God, what's going to happen next? It loses its effect if you end every session that way. So it's good to... End some sessions on a high note, like Gern falling asleep under a blanket of goblins.
4: See, now I'm kind of upset that I haven't had a. I didn't have Phidias fall asleep under a blanket of hookers.
0: (laughs) Would he though? No. Phidias would never have. Yeah. He, He seemed pretty devoted to his wife even after death.
4: Yeah, as much as like bards are the horny ones. Phidias and this is there are certain characters that I play that I'm like you know what the mold's right and so I, I stick to the mold but with Phidias Thidius was just a different character to me and I was like fuck the mold of bards being horny Phidias is in it for the fame and the fun like it's not it's not even the fame for him like it, sure if he gets famous whatever he's a traveling bard that's kind of cool that people that towns he's never gone to have heard of him but like for him it's about he literally gets to travel the world doing not only what he loves but what he's good at like that's fucking awesome and then he was able to do it with a partner and his wife and it was that much better to him and then she died and i was like nah phidias phidias don't know don't want no one else like he's already doing what he what he wanted to do, but he's gonna keep doing it in her memory, as well. That was kind of fun. I he was I was glad that I got to play Phidias in a uh, drill. Dude. Still pissed that his wife survived. Like, like the one thing that the time the time deity gave Phidias back was his wife, and it's like, uh, yeah, that's that is what Phidias would want more than anything else in the world is more time with his wife. But like
3: hey, as someone that has Thadeus and Jack and your wife in his campaign, your wife is badass.
4: I know she's badass. <laughs> if you want me to, I will make her a character. You just got to tell me what she has right now and I'll fucking make her even better.
3: But uh, <laughs> right now, so she level 9. It is 6 levels in bard and 3 levels in rogue.
4: See, I would think she would go cleric, personally, but I like the I like the rogue call. We'll talk about this. Well,
3: I had to go rogue because uh, she was the bartender at the bar, and they had to get information without being super, like, out there about it. And it was she was using thieves' cant to relay information to him.
4: Uh, see, I would I would just go cleric. Like, if she's the bartender. A cleric or paladin lay on hands, make people less drunk, so you can sell them more alcohol. True. <laughs> <laughs> that right there, that right there is the definition of chaotic neutral or chaotic evil in a bartender. It's like I'm going to fuck you up so bad, and you're never gonna know it. And it's for my own personal. Gain. I mean,
3: her and the other bartenders slash strippers did massacre the entire bar at one point.
4: I married like, a murder hobo. I'm I'm happy.
0: <laughs> well, on the note of marrying murder hobos, I believe right now is a good time for us to take our break. We'll be back shortly. And welcome back to Night Owl Nerds, the return of Matters at Hand. Where we last left off.
3: There, have you seen my nuts? They're big and salty and brown.
0: Last we left off, we were talking about hookers and murder hobos and murder hobo herker hookers,
4: English.
5: Herkers. Yeah, it's herkers. Herker. It's totally herkers.
4: <laughs> Aren't those a thing in Skyrim? No, those are horkers.
5: Yeah.
3: I do have to say one thing I did love about like that whole thing is like Robin just threw us random characters.
4: What? Oh with uh, Lament?
3: Yeah. 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 and we were all like oh cool here's our character let's all make like let's all just play them in an incredibly different and weird way like i took a monk and made him a serial killer That's amazing.
1: So,
4: so here's here's something that i don't know okay. that we've ever said on the podcast we had a we had another person that was going to join us for that one shot um that ended up not making it there we had there was an, there was another character. Phidias was never supposed to have that ring. That was supposed to go to the other character. And so, like part of Phidias' character almost didn't exist. Like, quite frankly, I would say the biggest part of Phidias' character almost never fucking existed.
3: Who was supposed to
4: be there? Fuck Fino, dude.
5: I feel like it was supposed to be like Ethan or no, know. Ethan.
4: Was Ethan was there. Oh, yeah.
5: Ethan was there. Oh, yeah. Ethan played. Oh, the right, right.
4: Dragonborn.
5: That's right. Um, he wasn't yeah. grave
4: robbing. He was grave searching.
5: <laughs> I don't remember. I feel like it was someone that was gonna potentially join us, but I don't. I don't know. Was it Patrick? Oh, maybe. I don't know. I don't remember.
0: Yeah, it was.
3: I was gonna <clears throat> say because Xander and Ethan that. were. Yeah, Xander and Ethan were basically doing their tryouts to see if.
4: Yeah, they would fit we, in. We weren't even told we were tryouts. <laughs> you got the you got the rawest form of both of us by just inviting us to a one shot and not calling it tryouts at all.
0: Oh yeah, it's like hey, you guys want to come play with us? Sure, we'll do it.
3: worked. Hey, it turned into something beautiful.
0: I did. I still love that. It, like you said, these characters are just handed to you. I'm pretty sure I asked you what class. Like I, I gave you guys a list of classes
1: mm-hmm. to
0: choose from. And I was like, all right, pick from these classes. You each get one. Zandy, yep. you actually wanted to do barbarian first.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Like you had been like, oh, I want to be the barb. And I was like, well, Ethan's kind of already picked that. And you're like, oh, right.
4: Yeah, I was like, ah, no worries. I'll take the bard then.
0: Which would have been interesting. Zandi playing Bryach.
4: I don't think I would have done that character. Like, looking at what that character was, I don't think I could have done that justice like Ethan did. Nah.
0: Ethan, for his many flaws, could certainly certainly play chaotic stupid. I was grave searching.
1: <laughs>
4: <laughs> Never gonna let that one go. So you were so you were grave robbing, not robbing, searching. <laughs> He's <was> very <laughs> adamant on that.
5: Yeah, he was.
0: <laughs> I was told to find the bones of my ancestors. Okay. Did you read the headstones? Did you read the headstones? I don't have time to read. (laughs) I'm searching for bones. Which bones? (laughs) I don't know. Bones. (laughs) Which is great because your characters really didn't have backstory. Like at the beginning of Lament, you literally were just like, this is your race. This is your class. Here's some abilities. Go. You know, you're stuck in a child's room. Have fun.
3: Anybody else actually send you a backstory or just me?
4: I know for a fact that I did not.
0: Matt kind of did. You did your classic thing where you sent me a fucking novel.
4: It was only like a
3: paragraph and a half.
0: Yeah. Keep
3: telling <laughs> yourself that.
0: Um <clears throat> Matt and I discussed a backstory for him. But it was more like it was more like tangential ideas for his backstory. Like, this is kind of where my character is coming from. Can we play off this? And I'm like, yeah, totally, play off that. And that's how Dalinar ended up with the whole, you know, spoiled brat trying to or being forced into redeeming himself kind
3: of thing. What I loved about like that, like that party in general is Like, none of those pieces fit. At all. You had, like, the spoiled brat, the dark, barely-said-anything serial killer, the I-like-really-nice-things bard, and then just the stupidest barbarian ever.
4: I don't know about ever, but pretty fucking close. Definitely
0: up there, yeah. I feel like I actually had to boost his intelligence that at one point, just to justify him speaking. You know, thinking back on it, almost every character Ethan has played has been some level of chaotic stupid. I mean, even think back to, like, Matters of the Gods. Key.
3: Oh yeah, Key was...
0: He was chaotic stupid.
4: I think he was lawful stupid. might have been
0: he might have been lawful stupid
4: is like so there's there's a difference between like lawful good lawful evil and just lawful stupid like lawful stupid is (coughs) i recognize that what i'm doing is going to be a hindrance to the group that i'm with and potentially get us killed but technically it's the right thing to do and it's like no no that is lawful stupid you're just being an asshole (laughs) Like that's all you're doing.
3: Yeah. This is my name. This is everybody in my party. This is where we're going. This is what we're doing.
5: Yeah. I. So obviously like, I wasn't a part of Matter of Gods, but listening to the episodes over again, it's like yeah, he would sit there, go up to a person, tell the whole entire life story to this person, and then be like, "Praise Rhaegar on." And it's like, <laughs> it's like, dude. <laughs>
0: Oh, you have a god you worship? Not good enough. You should worship Veyron.
5: Yeah, exactly. That's basically what it was. He was like shoving this (laughs) praise Veyron thing down his throat. And it's like, how much do you really trust this guy? Because like, listening to the episodes, I mean, granted, I haven't finished it yet. I am literally about to be on the last episode and finally finish it. But listening to it, it's like, I don't trust Veyron. And I see this going really, really, really bad. But like, granted, like, I, I haven't finished it yet. You guys are on the battlefield. And I'm about to listen to I think the final piece is like the last episode. But it's like, dude, this <laughs> guy, this guy's, guy's going to fuck you over.
4: Dude, Cax didn't trust Veyron for a fucking second.
5: I don't fucking he, trust him. <laughs> as
4: soon as as soon as Nicks started trusting Veyron, Cax was like, oh, maybe I'm wrong. Maybe I should trust this guy. But I'm not gonna. Yeah, he was like, "Fuck this dude." But if Nix trusts him, I'll be wrong. I'll just accept being wrong eventually. But that doesn't mean I'm gonna fucking trust him. (laughs) (laughs) Like, uh, Vayron was something else, man.
5: He was definitely interesting, but I
4: I still don't trust (laughs) Vayron. (laughs) <laughs> I, I've i seen the end of the story Like that Storyline I still don't trust Theron <laughs>
0: <laughs> That's fair
5: I just I feel like he Blindly following and It's like dude you already got burned once By Loth and, and now you're following another god
0: Yeah but if you think about it That is in itself A cautionary tale blind faith will Yeah, never exactly. Never keep you safe.
5: Yeah, and that was that was the thing. He blindly followed these people and he was like trying to get everybody else to do the same thing without any facts in it. It's like mm.
0: <laughs> Anyway, back to the current campaign. Do you all have questions yeah. for each other? These are the perfect opportunities to ask those questions you couldn't ask during the game. Questions for the DM, questions for each other, questions for the Void.
3: When, when Vice's skin turns blue, is his penis like a little bit darker blue? or <laughs> No. Okay, so it's just all the same color. Yep. Good to know
0: just had to get a dick joke in,
2: huh? <laughs> yeah. right. when, when maintain he, that
0: explicit tag
2: <laughs> when he exploded with stress what did his member do <laughs> did
3: the explosion of stress come from his member
4: I fucking hate you guys. <laughs> I was I was looking forward to actual questions about vice. And as per usual, you guys have let me down.
2: <coughs> that was one of my first ever questions.
0: <laughs> so, vice. Uh-huh. What do you think about the shift in your nightmares?
4: They freak me, Xander, the fuck out. <laughs> um, The fact that they're becoming even more targeted and, like, focusing in on Vice even more, and not even his past, but his psyche even more, is, is just, like... It's so... It, it obviously immerses me even further, but it's just so so weird to me like yeah that's exactly what you would expect from something like that especially because it seems like there is an external source like an like another being in his fucking mind every night that he has a nightmare um but like it's it's just weird. It's also one of the reasons that Vice fucking hates when uh, when Shatn goes into his mind. Does it? he? Yeah, he doesn't like he doesn't like Shat being in his mind purely because it feels like there's something else in his mind.
0: Is Vice afraid of what Shatten might find? Because the nature of the ability is not to be able to read your mind, but strictly for communication. He o- she will only ever know what you tell her.
4: I think it's it more has to do with... Uh,
0: Just the presence of another being within the yeah, uh, confines of your consciousness.
4: Yeah, especially after the nightmares.
0: Yeah. Should I
4: start assigning stress points anytime she connects to you? Uh, probably not. <laughs> just assign stress points whenever whenever she's on the same plane of existence as me.
0: You're just going to be constantly blowing your
4: load. You know it.
0: As long as we're on the subject of watchers and <clears throat> John has walked away. Celine, what would your impression of Harrison be? um like I know we've kind of touched on this in the beginning of this episode and you kind of went towards the whole necklace and your hesitancy to wear it but like what do you think of Harrison as as a being as an overseer
5: it's definitely interesting um I kind of wish she wasn't so cryptic i mean i get why she has to be cryptic but at the same time it's like um trying to think i don't think she has much of an opinion yet about her considering she's only met her twice and spleen hasn't quite figured out directly way to talk to her yet I don't really know alright
0: I mean you do have minimal interaction with her so far
5: like she doesn't fully trust her but that's because she doesn't know her but it's one of those things where she feels torn too where it's like oh I should trust her because she's guiding me on my journey but at the same time I've only interacted with this being twice. So.
0: Right. You've had minimal interaction. And the thing is, like, so Moss kind of figured this out in uh, his interactions with his watcher. Um, it's not necessarily that the watchers are cryptic, but that their knowledge is limited. You yeah. Know, each watcher only oversees very specific aspects of the realm. <clears throat> And are literally unable to see beyond those aspects. So, asking questions that are outside of their purview, they're just they they literally don't know.
5: Yeah, that's why I haven't quite figured out how to interact with her in the correct way yet. Because I really don't know how to do that.
0: And it makes sense, you know, Celine. Whether whether it's you or Celine. Not knowing how to interact or ask the right questions of Harrison, it makes sense. You've had such limited contact with her that, you know, anybody would still be trying to figure out how to pull that one off. I mean, hell, even Moss is still trying to figure that one out with his watcher. Speaking of which, Moss. You've had some more direct contact And even ask the name of the Watcher who has given you your brand. Yep. What are your thoughts regarding these interactions?
3: Well, I think because of, well, some of the things we've discussed, you and me, the Watcher has kind of picked the worst person to give the brand to. Did he, though? Not necessarily.
0: Because, <clears throat> yes, you and I have uh, you, you and I have had some, you know Off-screen conversations regarding Moss and his personality And the Watcher that he is now bound to
3: but Like, in some ways In some ways, Moss is, like, right on board In other ways, he's, well, as he's already mentioned Moss doesn't like killing people Right, he doesn't like killing people
0: You haven't had to kill a person yet I mean, you've done it, but I don't think you... Well, no, yeah, you dealt the killing blow.
2: Mm
0: -hmm. Yeah, session zero. You killed the owners of the orphanage. Yeah, it doesn't mean that you like it. But yeah, in some ways, Moss is the worst person for this Watcher to have bound himself to. But in other ways, he is the perfect... Person to have done it
3: Yeah I mean I guess in a lot of ways he is because Like the owners of the orphanage It was kind of justified
0: Exactly But As you may have noticed In your conversations with this watcher He doesn't Care how short a string is All that he cares about is That it has a start and an end That's it And, like, that might sound heartless, because, you know, you might see, you know, some life strings that are incredibly short, like, they end almost as soon as they begin, but such is the balance of life.
3: Mm -hmm. Yeah, I don't think Moss really knows how to feel about it at this point.
5: Yeah, that's kind of where I'm at with my watcher. She doesn't know how to feel. <laughs> yep.
1: Yeah.
0: Yeah. Vice has some interesting things on the horizon. But he has to figure them
4: out first. Oh fun.
0: Gurn on the other hand. You ain't got no watchers. No, sir. You are a being of might and anger and wooden splinters. I'm not
3: exactly sure that's true. We did find a scroll that was the same word over and over and over again. You know, kind of like Gern. Gern.
0: (laughs) Gern is a watcher. He just doesn't know it yet. I
1: imagine.
3: Oh, Gern wrote the scrolls.
2: He, uh, I enjoy, I enjoyed the combat with him. That was, that was fun. Yeah, you he actually, is, uh, yeah. movable.
0: When you guys hit level five, a Viking messaged me later that week and he's like, dude, I can't wait to get into combat with Gurn, Cause all I've really gotten to do is some, relatively minor stuff that hasn't done anything yet. I want to I want to get into it. And I'm like, you'll have your chance. Don't you worry, you'll have your chance. I mean, you guys are in the thick of it now in these mines.
2: <clears throat> How many uh trees are left?
3: How
0: many trees are left?
5: Steeplings in the bag of holding.
3: I'm not sure. I want to say like twelve.
0: No, I wanna say you're at like fourteen. Yes. Something like that. Sick. I mean you started with twenty.
3: Okay, yeah, so probably like fourteen or fifteen. Yeah.
0: Yeah, you started with twenty.
3: That's that's not necessarily
0: a secret because technically both the beads of nourishment and the uh, the seeds while they are in the bag of holding they are also within their own containers like the seeds are in a small satchel the beads of nourishment are in a jar so it's not like he's pulling out loose seeds and, and beads of nourishment he's pulling out the container and then divvying them out as necessary handouts of holding, you are, you have fourteen left.
3: Fourteen. Mm. At least that's what you have. Yeah, no, I've taken I've I've taken them off as I've used them.
0: Yeah, yeah, you're looking at you. You've got fourteen of them left, which is a sizable amount. You know, that's mm. that's fourteen long rests where you definitely, you know, if you're ever in a situation where you definitely need shelter or
3: protection, you know, that's the way to go. No, I mean, we have a bard, so we get Linneman's Tiny Hut soon.
0: Yeah, yeah, you've got a bard.
2: What's that? The Linneman's Tiny Hut.
3: It's a spell that kind of does the same thing the trees do. Not exactly the same, but kind of.
0: It's what the trees were initially based off of. Hmm. I wanted a way for you guys to have that spell without having that spell and having it be more overtly protective. So, like, Leomin's tiny hut can be designed to be invisible against its backdrop. Um, The tree cannot. It is written into the description that the tree's leaves, uh, the exterior of the tree, will match color to its surroundings, um, aiding in its disguise but it is still a physical tree.
3: There is also another spell that uh forget there's exactly a, what it's called.
0: There's a few, like there's a wizard spell the one when, that grows into the tower. Yeah, it turns into a tower in a pocket dimension. Yep. So literally nothing can get in. But it's a it, it's like a high level wizard spell. It's like a 6 level spell. Yeah. But it lasts for like 24 hours or some shit. Yeah, and that It's one... perfect protection. You can't get through it unless someone casts a high enough level to spell magic. That's if they even detect it.
3: And I want to say that also has the feature that you can use it to basically do what I did with the golem.
0: It might. It might. I know that at least the ways that I've seen it played, it can also do things like provide nourishment. <clears throat> it's like when you cast it. It comes with whatever food you want So yep. you never have to worry about rations Because it will just Provide it for you
2: That's sick
0: Yeah It's like, well, like a it's fucking a,
2: home portal To a fucking dimension Where it's fully stocked Yeah pretty much And it's, only it's a, accessible it's a home. by your party members
0: It's it's designed to be a home You know It's a It's a portable house I'm running out of questions, so if you guys have questions for each other, this would be a good opportunity.
1: Mm-hmm.
3: So, how does Gurn feel about using stick instead of his
2: glaive? Um, he, I mean, he's liking it. He's used it thus far.
0: Does he like the fact that it allows him to get up close and personal?
2: Yeah. I do want to uh, run the Glaive, though, at some point, just to see what that feels like. I mean, the Glaive
3: definitely has his upsides.
2: Oh, yeah. That, that was one thing I was looking with into. With my dash and stuff.
3: I just couldn't find it. Was it your ruling or whatnot where it couldn't be used within five feet?
0: No, Glaive is considered a... It has the Reach property.
3: Yeah, well, the Reach property doesn't say it can't be used as a melee weapon. Yes, it does. Where? Because I've been looking for it and I can't find it. I've read it once before. That a weapon with the Reach property has to be...
0: Type. Weapons Reach So Most? Like the, the glaive And the lance both have the reach property Reach This weapon adds 5 feet to your reach when you attack With it as well as when determining Your reach for opportunity attack See so making an attack So the Lance the Lance has disadvantage If you're within melee
3: that one I did know. The lance makes sense.
0: That may have been where I drew it from, was the fact that the lance has that property. But a glaive is, as well, it's a blade on a pole. It's effectively a polearm.
4: But...
3: Yeah, uh, no, I, like I said, like I was just trying to look into it, because technically there are certain... I think a quarterstaff can be used as a reach weapon, too. Uh... Depending huh. on rulings. But it's like, with something like that, it's more how... Because a lance only has a short, like, thing on the end of it, and then a the long, pointy thing, whereas a glaive's kind of like a staff with a blade on the end. So someone that knows how to wield one... Yeah. ...wouldn't have disadvantage. They'd They're just be wielding it differently.
4: Yeah. Right here. Most reach, uh... Double the wielder's natural reach, meaning a typical small or medium wielders of such weapon can attack a creature 10 feet away, but not a creature in an adjacent square. A typical large creature wielding a reach weapon of the appropriate size can reach a creature 15 or 20 feet away, but not the adjacent creatures or creatures up to 10 feet away. Hmm. Literally googled, uh, reach weapons 5e. Yeah.
3: That's that's what I did too. I just haven't found that.
0: Um, according to this as well, the quarterstaff is classified as a versatile weapon, whereas it can be used as either a one or two-handed weapon. Yep. Um, you're right. That's what. But that it doesn't. One is. It doesn't say anything. It doesn't about say it reach. Being reach. Yeah. It's. Uh, you're right. The only ones that it has listed as reach are the whip, uh, lance. Halberd Glaive Yeah there's And a pike I think so yeah Yeah the pike is reach Pike's a brutal weapon Mm. It's It's just a solid steel bar With a pointed end Like Holy fuck Yeah, I mean, I guess that would fall under, you know, a DM ruling or not. But just in my head, a glaive is the handle is too long to no, that's, prof- that's to proficiently use
3: within melee. No, it makes and, sense. I was and,
0: just you like, know, it gives him it gives him a bit of like, you know, choice in battle.
5: Mm-hmm.
0: You know, do I want to have the reach or do I want to be in melee? You know, what am I dealing with here? yeah i believe it costs a bonus action to swap out weapons like that i think so because usually stowing and drawing a weapon will like the initial draw of a weapon is part of your action it's just built into your first attack but if you're going to swap weapons mid-combat i believe it takes a bonus action to to stow one weapon and draw the other
4: which is why you'll if we refer to the uh first campaign to matter the gods can every, do it all the time every single it time, time, every single time CAX swapped weapons, I explicitly said CAX drops Whisper. He just fucking <clears> lets <throat> go of it. Because yeah. dropping a weapon does not cost an action.
0: Right, and drawing a sword
4: to, a, right, or a rapier does not cost an action or a bonus right, action. if you're just
0: dropping a weapon, you're just letting go of it. But if you're stowing it, you are carefully. Precisely placing it where it belongs on your person. Exactly.
4: So
2: technically, Gurn could stick somebody in the fucking mouth, and then turn in a like arcing slash, pull his glaive out from his back. As long as he's dropped stick after smushing if you've somebody let go in of the
0: head, stick, yeah,
2: drops yeah. it, turn like half spin and fucking glaive somebody fifteen feet away.
0: You could, yeah. Since you have two attacks in an action, you could. You would effectively disarm yourself from stick in doing so, but
4: that's fine. Here's what I would do, Viking. If you get a 20, bury that fucking stick in something's head, and then take the glaive to the next motherfucker. That's how I would do it. Because yeah. there's no That's way up. that Robin says Light no shot. to a nat twenty, where you go, I'm gonna bury this mace in my opponent's head. <laughs>
1: <Yeah>. No,
0: <laughs> I, I will never rule against that. <clears throat> I will never rule against that. And depending on what creature you've buried your mace in, will determine whether or not it requires a strength check to remove it from the head. If it's a just small it's, enough creature,
4: just take the head. And with you've you.
0: dealt <laughs> enough. And no, because you got to think about it. If you've dealt enough overkill damage and the creature is small enough or the right shape, and you've buried your mace in its head, you've obliterated the head.
4: Now it's just connected. You're
0: basically spine. just pulling it out of mush. But if it's a bigger creature that, like, maybe has like metal skin, or like if it was the golem or something, I might require a strength check to free the weapon without, you know, damaging something.
3: But, yep. S- say you don't kill it. <clears throat> does it at least get disadvantage on like intelligence saving throws because it definitely has a concussion? Yeah. <laughs> it's it's, it's just like permanently retarded. It. It's got if the base rolls. sticking out of its head. Just like. Uh, uh.
0: If he rolls a nat 20 <laughs> with stick and buries it in the head of the creature and it the creature doesn't die. I'm probably going to roll that that creature stunned for a turn. You know, because, I don't know about you, but if I took a hit like that, I ain't moving for a
2: while. (laughs) If it's a humanoid, it's an (laughs) insta-kill. Just no head left. There
0: may end up being rulings for insta-kills. I've already got rulings in place for dismemberment. So
4: this this brings me to a question. Will we play with massive damage rules when we hit level five?
0: I still don't know how to run massive damage rules. That's okay. my that's my big hindrance there is not not really understanding the massive damage rules. It just seems like another mechanic that I didn't
4: feel like putting in So massive damage uh, is. A, cre- a creature's massive damage threshold is equal to f- to 50 plus or minus 10 points for every size category larger than me- larger or smaller than medium um another one i've seen is 50% of your max health in one hit
0: so if that amount of damage is dealt in one strike
4: mhm so basically at level like let's say level 16 if Thrym gets fucking stomped by a giant and it deals 54 points of damage, he rolls on the massive damage table, which can actually be fucking terrifying, because if you don't roll high enough, which is a con check, if you don't roll high enough, you can actually just be knocked the fuck out, like effectively one shot. It's genuinely scary, but it adds a level of re- like realism to it because I don't care how fucking strong you are if your body is not willing which is what constitution is is the strength of your body you're fucked <laughs> and then there's like if you take massive damage but you don't get knocked out there are like you take a little more damage or it's it's all based off of a d20 roll right so like you take you take massive damage You roll a d20. You roll low enough, you're just fucking unconscious. You roll high enough, you're fine, but you're totally fine. You roll somewhere in the middle, but on the high end, you take a little more damage. You roll in the middle on the low end. Like, usually, it's significantly more damage or a condition effect, but there are some where it's like you roll low, but not like a three or lower, and now you have permanent damage. Like, you can fucking lose an arm. Just fun shit like that. It's something to to think about. There's one here that runs D10s. Uh, 8 to 10 is can't take reactions until next turn. 6 to 10 is can't take reactions, has disadvantage on attacks and ability checks until the end of its next turn stunned drops to zero hit points with stable and then a one is drops to zero hit points and is unstable so you're just unconscious just just want to put that out there
3: you really just want us to all die at some point don't you xander
4: i want a rotating party (laughs) This I is, want at okay. some point at least two player characters to die in this campaign. Right, Dude, so not it's lie.
3: already been incredibly possible. Shatten oh, yeah. almost did.
0: Yeah, right? Shatten almost did had it not been for John remembering the rules on Prone.
3: And that Gollum could have wiped almost everybody because not, but almost none of us could have affected it.
0: Well, the that's your fault for not dealt, having
4: stronger weapons.
0: The only one who could have dealt melee damage to it was Gern. Um, because he has the plus one mace mall, which technically qualifies it as a magical weapon, allowing you to deal damage because yes, the golem had immunity to bludgeoning, piercing, and slashing from non-magical weapons that were not made, that were not adamantine. So it would have relied almost exclusively on, well, okay, so it wouldn't have, uh, Shatten would have been effectively useless. Because her daggers deal psychic damage, it is immune to psychic damage. Her regular daggers are not magical. They'll just glance off, and it's immune to that. Um, Vice, spell powerhouse with shatter. He could have whittled it down a bit until he ran out of spell slots. Moss, there are ways you can do that. You can hit it with your bite, which is not yet magical, which would not have dealt damage. But if you force the Divine Smite into it, then you're dealing Radiant. That would affect it. Yeah. But you're burning spell slots to do it. Selene. um, Again, Magical Powerhouse. Hits it with enough spells, it will whittle down the HP. Gurn has the Magical Weapon. So you guys could have killed it without using the tree. But it would have just sucked your HP dry. You guys, and like I'd never even got around to it using its
3: slow ability. That would have fucked you up. Chances are at least one or two of us would have died if I hadn't used that seed.
0: Probably. Probably. Yeah, but we but,
4: didn't die.
0: But had you not used the
3: seed, you would not have fought the bulette. But the bulette popped up before I used the seed.
0: The bulette had begun. To pop up before you use the seed. Um, it had it was feeding on the other, yeah, uh, the opposing party. Um, had you guys murdered the golem, the bulette may have been discouraged from trying to eat you because of the golem. But you eliminated that threat, so then it felt confident in hunting you. That was.
1: But
2: it got a fox.
0: It did. It did get a fox. It got. It, it, it got a bandit. It, you know, it got a cell sword, and it got a fox. And then you cut open its stomach and took them back.
3: <laughs> well, we took back a plus one coin purse.
0: <laughs> I really didn't know how else to describe that. It's a purse that is resistant to acid damage. So it is resistant to being damaged. And I'm like, how else do I describe that? Unless it's Because the only way to make an object not get damaged by environmental shit like this is either make it out of metal, at which point it's a box, or make it magical so it's a and plus one coin
3: purse. <laughs> even if you, you had made it out of metal, the way you described that acid, it ate through stone, it ate through it metal. Did
0: exactly that's i needed a way to make sure that this coin purse was not gonna get dissolved in the stomach acids that could dissolve stone and earth because you gotta and you know you should have filled it with of course i had to describe the stomach acids as being that strong because the bulette is literally a land shark it burrows through the earth and is most likely in that process going to swallow earth and stone so it's stomach acids need to be strong enough to do so. So like, I'm, I'm just trying, I was just trying to follow in a logical progression in a magical realm where there is little logic to begin with. And that's how you ended up with a plus one point coin purse. So yeah, there's that clarification.
3: I like it. Hey, I got a plus one coin purse now.
1: Yeah, you do. You got Make a plus one do coin purse. Make it you into got, a
0: hat. You you got a plus one coin purse. Gern got a stick. Vice got trauma and Celine got a glow in the dark necklace.
4: Ice doesn't get anything but trauma.
0: Yeah. Welcome to my campaign, Nix. Hmm.
4: This just in, Night Owl nerds hate sorcerers. <laughs> <laughs> but we love them. But all they get trauma. Hey.
3: Just don't do the shutdown in battle thing.
4: Uh, Vice won't. He might. Just don't fucking whip out an orb in the middle of battle.
3: Yeah, there's that. The final boss is Northam.
4: Don't fucking, <laughs> don't even fucking say that. You're giving him ideas again.
2: Dude, you have to fight him in your nightmares
1: <laughs> <laughs>
0: So I'm, I'm I'm Flipping through the uh, D&D Mad Libs book right now
3: That's some good ones and I still want to do That one too. shot where I I still want to do that one shot where I get to play that Rogue Ah uh, yes which I think I think that needs to be read again
0: uh, you gotta find it
5: I got to uh... so in that drill we had to do last weekend I got to play a monk and yep. it was actually interesting because I was a a drunken master I think is what it was called yep
3: yeah. those are fun
5: yeah. yeah I didn't get to delve too much into it yet though
3: you get high enough level, you're immune to poisons, which means you can't get drunk anymore.
5: Yeah. And, um...
4: (laughs) I'm always drunk.
5: By the way, Xander, I am not a fucking fish. Did you want to know what she was? A fish? No. Oh. She was a genasi. That's what I said. No, it's not a fucking fist. It's a genie.
4: Were you a water a water genasi?
5: Yeah.
3: Shut up, Vice.
4: <laughs> 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 Look, it's not my fault that, that it, it took you that fucking long to figure out Vice was a water genasi.
3: I mean... You're in liqu- my defense <laughs> you're liquid <laughs> in my defense the one thing that was throwing everything off was you changing color with your moods
5: yeah that was throwing it's me off.
3: cuz i know but there's actually a race that does that oh yeah it's a it's a type of elf too
4: oh fun which race yep
3: ah oh, fuck i forget what they're called
4: yeah, but Vice, there is, there is an elf mother, that, like,
3: changes Vice's colors of their skin and things like that with their mood.
4: Vice's mother is a half-elf. Wait, are you...
0: Fuck, that's the, that's the race that Cody picked. For, uh, for the, for the drill. I know which one you're talking about, John. Come on. It starts what with I... an E. Yeah, a ladrin...
3: I'm
0: mm-hmm. like that, yeah. Me, it's eladrin. Let, let me get to this bullshit.
5: Yeah, it took me reading up on fucking water genasi for me to figure out the, what the hell you were, vice. And I was like, oh my god. <laughs>
1: yeah, yeah, eladrin.
0: <laughs> eladrin, they, their color of their their person skin clothing whatnot matches whatever season they are affinity they have an affinity for. Whatever season they're in, right at that time, but it also shifts with their mood. Yeah, that makes sense. So right now, the consensus is that uh, Vice is a water genasi. Yeah. Okay.
4: Yeah. Well, at is, least is part... the consen- is the consensus that Vice is still also a bard.
1: <laughs> no, well, that, yeah. That's when,
3: that that was gone since like episode like game one. Oh. Like I, I, pegged that one immediately.
4: <laughs> you are known for pegging things immediately.
3: <laughs> True.
0: Um. Entirely unrelated. John, did you? I, I found the one about the rogue you wanted to play. Do you want me to read the whole thing or
4: just
3: the line on that rogue? No, the whole thing, because the whole thing is golden.
4: Okay. Hang on. <laughs> I just want to put it into, <laughs> just <laughs> put it out there. When Robin asked me for a character name, like, hey, what's your character's name going to be? It took me, what was it, less than 60 seconds to come up with a name. Yeah. And it's because it's a play on words. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> anyway, go ahead.
0: So what John has requested is one of the d and Mad Libs that we did a long time ago. Uh, titled A Sampling of Adventurers
3: Part 1. That we did agree should be turned into a one shot. At some point.
0: If you're scratching your taint trying to pick an adventurer, here are some clandestine types that you can choose from Fighter. You are strong, magnificent, and ready to lure. You are a master of seducing with weapons and are ready to crawl into battle to defend the infinity. Wizard. You are a bookshelf of the arcane arts. Your intelligence makes you an amazing teammate with an interest in finding compound bows and scrolls (laughs) to enhance your power. (laughs) Cleric, you are a healer and a succubus who harnesses divine wine. You are often called on by the potatoes you worship to undertake prolapsed quests. (laughs) Rogue, cancelling in the shadows is what you live for. You are a scrotum stabbing scoundrel and proud of it. I <laughs> believe that's the one you wanted, John.
3: Oh, it is. I actually made a character sheet for it. Yeah. You just have to tell me what level I, so I can roll the rest of it. Mm-hmm. But his name is Castration.
1: <laughs> ah. Yes. <laughs>
4: <laughs> All right, is it about that time to do a couple Mad Libs and call it?
0: I was gonna say it feels like this is dwindling, so we should uh, do a few, two two to twelve D and D Madlibs, and then call this episode of Matters of Hand.
4: All right, for for any listeners that are still here through the ramblings, this is this is where we're gonna get our uh, explicit rating. So any young listeners, you might want to piece the fuck out,
0: or pay uh, extra uh, close uh, attention.
4: You will learn a few new words Like castration Definitely ask mommy and daddy (laughs) Alright do we want to go Do we want to go by the way we show up in discord As turn order So
0: John, Heather, Viking, Xander Yeah back to John Alright Yeah we'll do it that way Alright so this one is titled Turn the mic towards me This one is titled Monster Manual, Dragons. John, I need a verb. Running. Run. We went over this in the last one. All right. Heather, I need an adjective.
5: Um...
0: All right, Viking. I need an animal.
2: A
4: marmoset. Xander. I went to take a drink of my drink, and I fucking can't now.
0: Xander, a plural noun. testicles John, adjective. Eroded.
4: Ooh, good one.
0: Heather, noun.
5: Um. It's person, place, or thing, right? Yes. Fields. Field? Yeah, field.
4: All right. Viking. Verb. Stroking his beard. Thinking. Leap. Xander. Mm -hmm. Adjective. Repubescent. John, collar,
2: fuchsia,
0: Heather, occupation,
5: gynecologist. Oh, my (laughs) God! I
0: think you broke Zandy, (laughs) Viking, verb.
4: Alexander, adjective. Sheepishly would not be an adjective, would it? That would be, be an like adverb. an adverb.
0: You could say sheepish.
4: <sighs> yeah, fuck it. Sheepish.
0: Okay. John,
3: animal, plural. platypi Pretty sure that's the
0: plural form. I yeah, think it is. is it na- It is now. V- Heather, I need a gerund.
5: What the fuck
0: is that? <laughs> <sighs> a verb ending in ing.
5: Um. Exercising.
0: A Viking. I need a part of the body. <laughs> the thorax. Zandi, I need a noun.
4: Viking, can, can you show me where the thorax is on the human, please? What the fuck? Uh, let's do.
0: It's from your shoulders to your hips. By the way,
4: that would be. A torso, <laughs> which is
0: the thorax on a human,
4: and it's not a thorax, it's a torso. Uh
0: let's do which I think it's shoulder to the bottom of the ribcage because below that is the abdomen.
2: Yeah, actually, the bottom of the neck to right above the
0: uh, yeah, to the cilicus, to the effectively,
2: something. Anyway, yeah, noun,
4: Zander. would that. Would mayor of Hastholm be a noun?
0: The entire phrase?
5: You just say mayor.
0: That, that's more of a title, but you could just say
4: mayor. Nah. That's too much. Basketball. <laughs> mayor of Hastholm, <laughs> basketball. <Yeah>. Okay.
0: <laughs> I like that transition.
4: Well, did you not know? This is something that I didn't expect anyone other than Xander to know. The mayor of Hastholm is Michael Jordan.
1: Oh.
0: Oh, thank God that's not canon. (laughs) John.
4: It's my head canon.
0: Okay. John, I need an exclamation.
3: Pterodactyls? (laughs) (laughs) Pterodactyls?
4: I'm glad that lands on John because I would have went where the fuck is the K? (laughs) Going back to episode thirteen.
0: Y'all chatter while I fill this out.
4: (laughs) (laughs) Orax and gynecologist, both of those killed me.
3: I mean, (laughs) to to be fair. It said part of the body It didn't specify if it had to be human or not
5: <laughs> I'm but looking
2: up right now Where human. is the thorax human, a human?
5: Yeah, I want to said coccyx mm-hmm.
0: Just because it
4: sounds funny But isn't Holy fuck, the thorax of a human Is literally from the neck To the solar plexus And well, the abdomen yes, is from it's... the solar plexus To the top of the hips it is a funny word. <laughs> I am pissed.
1: <laughs>
3: it seems like every time we play these, Xander, that you don't believe Robin when he says something, and every time you're wrong.
4: I, so here's the thing, right? I don't doubt Robin until he says something that I'm like, that can't be right.
0: I don't doubt Robin
4: until I doubt Robin. <laughs> I'm, I, I don't heard. doubt Robin until it, he says something so outlandish that I'm like, that can't be true. And then I look it up and I'm like, what the <laughs> fuck is the worldview that I exist in? <laughs> the human thoraxes, also known as the chest, are a thing. Shit's <laughs> like, wild. I love it. I learn something new every single time we do a Matters at Hand. And then... I forget about it the next morning. A marmoset. (laughs) Marmoset was good. (laughs) I shouldn't have put myself after Viking.
0: (laughs) All right. Are you prepared for this?
4: No. (laughs) No. I'm
0: I'm not either. (laughs) (laughs) Monster manual. Dragons. It's called Dungeons and Dragons. So let's take a moment to run... So let's take a moment to run these big creatures in detail. Dragons are an iconic type of giant marmoset that are often encountered as enemies and less commonly encountered as true testicles. Metallic dragons are eroded and noble, while evil chromatic dragons will burn your field to a crisp without question. You can't leap a book by its cover, but that doesn't apply to dragons. Red dragons are known for their prepubescent nature and evil temperaments, while fuchsia dragons are known to have the personality of a lawful gynecologist. Dragons spank longer than humanoids, so they consider themselves to be sheepish beings. Most humans are as dumb as a barrel of platypi. But no matter what type of dragon you meet, one thing is certain. Exercising Exercising one face to thorax will be a basketball to remember. Pterodactyls?!
3: I mean, to be fair, most of that checked out.
0: Most of it did. The metallic dragons are eroded and noble. The chromatics will burn down your field. <laughs> Red dragons, dragons are now being creepy. <laughs> <dragons>. <laughs> I have
4: a prepubescent temperament. I mean, it's not Holy wrong. <laughs> Fucking Viking was losing his shit while you <laughs>
2: Dragons spank longer than humans do. (laughs) (laughs) It's a
1: fucking (laughs) known fact.
0: (sighs) Alright. Ready for round two? Round two. Alright, this is titled The Second Campaign. Alright, same order as before? Send it. John, I need a person in the room.
3: Ah, See, this always gets looped back to me because it always lands on the same person every time. So, Zandyland, it's your turn. Yeah! <laughs> and his name needs to be Zandiland. Okay. No! <laughs> okay.
4: <laughs> Check out
3: Zandiland.
0: Check out Zandiland live on Twitch. <laughs>
4: slash Zandyland for the worst gaming experience you'll ever see in your life, but I make myself laugh.
5: All well, you can ask for,
4: Heather.
0: I need an adverb. It's a verb ending in ly.
5: Yeah. yeah. Um.
0: As John angrily shakes his fist at me.
3: I have one I'm waiting to use.
5: (laughs) Slowly. Slowly? Slowly.
4: Slowly.
1: (laughs) Yes, there you
0: go. (laughs) I need an adjective. Course. Zandy, I need a
4: noun. Prime Rhyme No Crime. Prime. That's yeah. an entirely different word. A hundred percent. John adjective.
3: I'm gonna go back to an old favorite because I really like this word. Iridescent. was oh, a good one. This is one of my word? favorite words
5: it's a solid word it really is
0: heather i need a noun
5: uh careless what hold on um oh, i'm sorry i'm trying to think uh i don't know cat cat Cats
0: Viking, I need an
1: adjective. <coughs> <Kent>. <laughs> Toothless,
0: Toothless <laughs> Zandy Celebrity.
4: Give me one second. Yeah. Oh, God.
0: Who do we decide to call out?
4: Oh, fucking, show? fucking boy. Howdy. I am ready for this. I just have to be ready for this. Hang on.
2: See do a I celeb do. that plays D&D and hope that they hear the podcast.
4: <laughs> oh, I was going to do <laughs> I was <laughs> going to do the famous uh traveling bard that is my persona but I could do that fuck it let's do Chris Hardwick
5: what traveling bard were you thinking of the one from Witcher
4: no I was thinking of me oh it's, like, it's, yeah, Vice, is, name. Vice, Vice has, has a stage, stage name, name. I, was, right. I was literally pulling up roll 20 to look at Vice's stage name because I can't remember it off the top of my head I'll and then sir. I loved the idea of a celebrity if you play d my d
0: <laughs> Michael hey, John. Myers. I need a noun Boulevard Heather part of the body Carter. nice Viking Plural noun. God damn engines. Hmm. Sure, we won't get cancelled for that. Zandy, I need a
4: noun. Foul. What? Foul. As, As in, in waterfowl.
5: Yeah. I was saying like foul odor.
0: Yeah, but that would be an adjective. Uh, John, number.
4: Oh God, John's <laughs> numbers are top tier. <laughs> Thirty-three. That's lackluster.
0: Heather. Adjective.
5: Repulsive.
3: Oh, there's a fun one. Don't talk about me like that.
5: <laughs> I
4: was about to say the same fucking thing.
5: <sighs> it wasn't about you as well, someone else. I'm
0: gonna shoot myself in the foot on this one. Viking. Silly word.
3: <laughs> Curd.
2: Rubber Baby Buggy Bumpers. (laughs)
1: Okay.
0: And, Zandy, I need a verb.
4: Oh. (laughs) Give me just another second.
0: (laughs) Breathe.
4: deatides or deify excuse me, deify that's what we were looking for I'm sorry, it's 2am
0: yes it is chatter while I fill this out
4: fucking rubber baby fucking bumpers (laughs) 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 Uh, I'm not gonna lie
3: I was really hoping you were gonna say the silly word in, in Elmo's voice (laughs) (laughs)
2: <laughs> <laughs> I don't think I can say rubber baby buggy bumpers in Elmo's voice
4: I'm sure you, you can try.
1: I don't know
5: now he's gotta test it out before he performs <laughs> he's gotta roll that performance check <laughs> LOVES Rubber Baby Buggy Bumpers!
1: <laughs> <laughs> See I na-na, knew you could na-na.
3: do it! Na-na, na-na. Rubber
2: Baby Buggy Bumpers! <laughs> I'm on love when Sandy wears Rubber Baby Buggy Bumpers! <laughs> Come on Bobby, Let's look at Sandy wear Rubber Baby Buggy
1: Bumpers! <laughs>
4: but I love it
1: <laughs> <laughs> oh why hello there <laughs>
4: oh my god this is, this is our campaign we have a dude that looks like a viking <laughs> that can make Elmo's voice come out of thin fucking air and terrifies me every single time he does it
1: <laughs>
4: like, dude is the persona of a modern day Viking, <laughs> <laughs> and I love it. <laughs> but Jesus Christ, the Elmo voice! All right, will haunt my nightmares. Now that we are all
0: thoroughly haunted,
5: no, Audrey's laughter is your nightmare, Sander.
4: Yes. That too.
0: Are we ready for the second campaign?
5: Hmm.
3: I thought Same. we were already playing
4: it. <laughs> yes, we are.
5: Well, I mean it's your second and my first. So
4: Don't worry, Robin doesn't know how to be gentle in campaigns.
5: That's a kind of gentle either, so it's okay.
4: Yikes. <laughs> <laughs> that got a little too real, too fast, listeners. <laughs> All
0: right, the second campaign, D&D Mad Lib. Zandilan wheezed slowly after whacking yet another coarse cobalt over the head. <laughs> How many more are there? he asked desperately. Terra Crime Crusher, wounded and iridescent, came down hard with her mar- with her mighty broadcat. On another kobold before answering, almost done with them. No thanks to that toothless rogue. From across the room, Chris Hardwick, Chris Hardwick Forest Keep, took down the final kobold with a throwing boulevard. Watch your scrotum before I cut it off. The elf spat as the cleric healed Terra's bloody engines, The elven rogue kicked open a secret door hidden behind a fowl. Inside the next room, there were 33 more repulsive kobolds. Proper baby bunky he cried. We may have bitten off more than we can deify.
4: <laughs> Why the fuck is Zandyland the one that is fighting off kobolds? <laughs> I, just,
0: I just love that it opened with Zandyland wheezed slowly. <laughs>
4: could have been anyone else, but of course it's the one person that played a fucking kobold. <laughs> <laughs> That's
0: true.
2: You're trying to destroy Roll your a d20 own for me.
4: Oh.
5: I can't escape him. <laughs> he has nope. become me. He haunts your dreams, your, your lives, your soul
2: viking I rolled a natural 19 that makes sense it makes sense as to why it was you sandy <laughs> that being
0: said do we have one more in us or is this it for the night I'd run one more
2: yeah
5: yeah, we can go one more.
4: Run it back.
0: All right. The next one is titled "Master of the Dungeons." <laughs> John, I need a place.
3: We'll we'll keep it classy. <laughs> a gentleman's club.
4: It's funnier than fuck, because I was going to interject and go, Esmeralda's sex club.
0: Heather, I need
4: a verb.
5: There's one word that comes to mind. Masturbate?
0: Of course it comes to mind. Viking.
2: <laughs> yes, I... I need an adjective. Viscous. Zandy, I need a
0: noun.
4: Let's put in harem.
0: (laughs) John, I need an adjective.
3: Lackluster.
0: Um, luster is a noun. Black is an adjective. Unless you really want to use luster, the adjective form no. would be lustrous. Lackluster. Lackluster. A hyphenated word black <laughs> that's
1: what
2: I heard
0: I was very confused for a second
2: <laughs> I thought this podcast was turned kind of a whole different
0: <laughs> for a second there funnily enough Heather I need a color
2: uh... don't say the word that they have on the crayons
5: no <laughs> Oh no, Scarlet.
1: Scarlet, okay.
0: (laughs) Viking, I need a noun.
2: Flesh. Undermensch. An English noun. Come
0: on. I'm not playing alternate languages if I don't know what the word means.
2: It just means like subhuman.
0: Really don't think that's... it does. <laughs> yeah.
2: Undermensch means like um, underman.
0: That's that's fair. German English is a Germanic language, but let's let's please stick with okay. English. Alright. Just because I, I want to avoid certain Potential connotations. Slowly. A, a noun. If you want to go this route, we could go with something
3: like surf. I mean I've got one. If I have one that's just perfect, <laughs> if you'll allow me, Viking. Yeah. This one is for you, Zandy.
1: Daddy. <laughs>
4: Give me a fucking adjective. (laughs) Please.
0: Alright, since John stole that Viking, would you like to give me a verb ending in I-N-G?
4: Coming! Please tell me the next word is an adjective.
0: The next word is a verb. However, there are... You know what? Give me the adjective.
4: I'll put it Suicidal. in. Suicidal. Oh, God. Okay. We the start in a gentleman's film. club. We end without a kitty. <laughs> All right.
0: John, give me a verb.
3: <laughs> Gyrate.
0: Heather, give me a noun Stripper Viking
2: Plural noun Mace what <laughs> a bunch of moose
1: yeah
2: <laughs> fine i'll put it nice
1: i'll
0: go with it it's painfully incorrect and it hurts me just a little bit zandy give me an adjective
4: Encroaching, er, or antipathetic. What? Antipathetic. To be like the opposite of being sympathetic. Antipathetic. Antipathetic. Okay. Yeah.
0: John, plural noun.
3: Well, (laughs) I'm just gonna give Zandy another shout out for daddies
4: I hate you 90% of the time John I love you this is one of that 10%
0: (laughs) Heather I need an adjective
5: promiscuous
0: oh my god you mm. noticing a theme with your words
5: I'm coming up with whatever pops in my head first.
0: Good to know. Viking, I need an occupation in the plural.
3: And keep it classy. This is a gentleman's club.
1: Yeah.
0: Affix your monocles, sir.
2: Sperm donors.
0: Not really an occupation, but I'll give it to you
2: You can get paid for it, dog
0: You can get paid for it, but it's not an occupation
5: Some people think it is
0: Zandy, finish this out with a plural
2: noun He's making money real quick, give him a second (laughs) (laughs)
4: Tsunamis
0: Tsunamis, that's a fun word
5: Oh, we Not in if you clubs. ask the people of
4: Japan.
0: <laughs> Namis of come Alright. <laughs> Y'all chatter while I painfully fill this one out.
4: Fucking daddies? <laughs> <laughs> Couldn't help it. hate you. <laughs> <laughs> Especially because if, if you had a word that I that you hated as much as I hate daddy, I also would have used it. <laughs>
3: I mean, I do have one, but you'll never know what it is.
0: We know it ain't daddy. You ain't got one of those.
1: (laughs) Jesus Christ! (laughs) Fuck, man.
4: Emotional, damn it! We (laughs) know that you have plenty of that, as do most of us here.
5: Jesus Christ.
4: Actually, I'm pretty sure all of us here.
5: Yeah.
4: <laughs> we're all choosing to spend our Saturday night into Sunday morning doing this. We might have some emotional damage.
5: At least we're all together.
3: And you can't say we're not having a good time. <laughs> yeah, having
5: a
4: good time. Having a good time.
2: it's been a while since I've done Mad Libs. I'm it's just been saying. A while.
3: It's only 2.13. You guys have another one in you?
4: Yeah. Yeah. If Robin will let us burn through four, (coughs) I'll throw more.
5: That's if he don't break him on this one, (laughs) because he he might have an aneurysm, so...
4: (laughs) There's a chance we cause him to have a fucking aneurysm. But you know what? Worth it. (laughs)
5: You're not the one that would have to bring him to the hospital.
4: Hey, Yeah, but I'm am also amazing. not the one that works at a hospital, so... As as
3: somebody that... Uh, dad yeah. died that way, I doubt that's gonna happen. <laughs> oh, my God.
0: <laughs> oh, no, he's right. I'd never make
3: it to the hospital. Or at least not alive. Anyway. anyway. My dad made it alive. He just had to spend six months there before he had, like, six more.
4: Man, uh, so.
0: <laughs> All right, so this one is titled Master of the Dungeons. <laughs> Being a dungeon master is no walk in the gentleman's club. You have to meticulously masturbate encounters while staying viscous enough to go with the harem. It's particularly lackluster when you're a Scarlet Horn. So here's some wise daddy. Do play pre-made adventures. They are a great coming off point. Do not try to railroad or gyrate player characters into a corner. They will always take the stripper less traveled. Do (laughs) Do establish crystal clear meese for your players. Otherwise, they'll end up suicidal and confused.
4: Oh my god. (laughs) (laughs) Yep. <laughs>
0: <laughs> do not over plan prep time is antipathetic but you have to roll with the daddies too <laughs> do relax the promiscuous secret of dming is that sperm donors don't need epic tsunamis to have fun
1: <sighs>
0: oh my fuck Yeah, I got another one in me. Give me a minute. I want to refill my water cup first. (laughs) Oh, the next one's going to be real fun. It's titled Problem Players.
4: I'll take... How would you describe John and Xander for 500, Alex? (laughs) Oh, my God. Dude, shit's, shit's wild. Uh, good old
0: instant iced tea.
4: What does that even mean?
0: Uh, I have a giant S jar of powdered iced tea that I turned into a pitcher of iced tea.
4: But, like, it's not that hard to make
0: No, it's not, but they had it on like clearance or some shit, so
4: Ah fair enough.
0: I was like, yo, I can make a whole bunch of fucking iced tea for cheap money and save the tea bags for when John's here. I mean for hot cups of tea.
4: (laughs) Save the tea bags for when John's here.
0: Just waiting for him to get back wherever the fuck he went. refreshing
4: I hated that too damn <laughs> really <laughs> yeah I just really didn't well <laughs> no <laughs>
0: daddy this tea is so refreshing
1: oh uh... <laughs> no nope.
4: nice, nope. guys I, I, I processed that one for a little <laughs> longer than I needed to just to make sure yeah didn't like it
0: <laughs> all right. This will be the last Mad lib for the night. Problem players. John, I need a plural noun.
3: LARPers.
4: They would make problem players. They would.
0: Heather, I need an adjective. Disturbing? Disturbing?
5: Oh, wait, no, I can't use that, can I?
0: Well, that's technically a gerund.
5: Yeah, no, I don't want to do that then. um, I'll just say disturbed. Sure.
0: Viking. I need a part of the body.
2: Okay. This is a small space, also referred to as the taint. But can we call it the fleshy pleasure bridge? All
1: right.
0: Taint. Xander, I need an adjective.
4: Fleshy, (laughs) flesh-rich. Righteous.
0: John, I need a plural noun. Again.
3: Pendants one more time pendants like a pendant on a necklace
0: pendants heather i need a noun
5: street street street
0: some reason it's not coming through road street okay Viking, we did an
2: occupation. Thermonuclear engineer.
5: Wow.
4: God damn it.
0: Xander, we need a yeah. verb.
4: Oh, that would be a noun. Meltdown. Tying it back to the thermonuclear engineer.
0: John, we need a collar. Eggshell. Heather, we need a verb ending in ing.
5: Massaging.
0: Viking, we need an adjective.
2: We'll go with uh, a bird-like. Sure. Zandy, we need an adjective.
4: Clandestine. John, I wanted to go with iridescent. That's yours.
0: John, I need a plural noun.
3: All right. To just picture this in your head. It's oh, he the ability to cast mirror image. Gardens. <clears throat> <Gurns. laughs> that would be terrifying.
4: <laughs> oh, now I know what I need to do.
0: Viking, I need a plural noun.
5: it's cousin it <laughs>
4: <laughs> raiders how dare you bring up Oakland
0: raiders yeah alright pretty sure I just skipped over Heather
1: yeah. Heather
2: give me a noun uh. You aren't cousin it?
5: <laughs> I don't think I could do that, that's copyright <laughs> Oh, look!
0: <laughs> oh my god, yes, even with the glasses <laughs> Holy shit, yes Now you have to talk in the voice
5: Uh, Uh...
2: this is like partial nightmare fuel that
4: is full nightmare (laughs) fuel (laughs)
5: Right.
0: Uh forest. All right, and Zandy finish us out with an adjective. Luscious. Yes.
1: <laughs>
0: yes, Daddy. Alright, chatter off. Chatter while <laughs> I fill this out.
1: I you hey know... there, brother? <laughs>
5: <laughs> you know, I honestly can't think of any trigger words for myself right now.
4: It, just do not share them publicly. Otherwise, <laughs> otherwise they will haunt you five ever.
5: Five ever. Yeah, I know. Everything is five ever.
4: Yeah, I mentioned one time that I don't like to be called Daddy. And it has never left.
5: Ugh. I don't know, I kind of, like... I guess I kind of got rid of all my trigger shit when I was in therapy for so long. So I think I'm good.
4: <laughs> uh, it, by the end of, of my time with Night Owl Nerds, so never, I will... I will eventually be over hating the word daddy. I'm not sure
3: how you haven't gotten past it yet. Yeah,
4: I if this like quite frankly I should be over it by now but like holy fuck.
3: I mean to be fair we have also upped it a notch by starting
4: to moan while we do it. I mean Robin's always (laughs) done that but Robin's been doing that from the dick tip.
5: Well, yeah, hanging out with you guys is also a factor too. To the point where, like, nothing phases me.
4: Must but be it- fucking good. nice. Are so, like, you? That
5: and like hanging out with other nurses, you never know how dark and fucked up nurses are until you work in healthcare. I'm good. Oh, we're, we're funny. We're we're hilarious. <laughs> it's great. Are we? But ready- we're gonna have to be. <laughs> Yes, I'll we're ready. Be ready. Yes.
0: Problem players. Players come in all LARPers and sizes. Some can be helpful, but others can be disturbed blankets. Here are some player types to keep a fleshy pleasure bridge out for. Mm-hmm. The peacock. If they're not in the spotlight, they get righteous and competitive with the other pendants. They always want their street to win, despite what the dice say. The Rules Nuclear Thermo Engineer Thermo Nuclear Engineer Oh, fucked that up pretty good. The Rules Thermo Nuclear Engineer These players melt down rules to a fault. They argue with the DM until they're eggshell in the face and can end up backseat massaging whole sessions. The Game Jacker The most bird-like problems can come from the Dungeon Master. A Game Jacker is a DM who has a huge, clandestine world to tell you about and doesn't care about the gurns of the other players. All these raiders have one solution. Talking about it open and honest forest is essential for a luscious group so get used to it
4: I like it yeah
0: remember to keep remember to keep your fleshy pleasure bridge out
4: (laughs) I mean that's always important (laughs) that is the most if there is anything to take away from this matters at hand uh, and this what, is to both what was that about? Just keep your fleshy pleasure bridge out.
2: What was that about backseat massaging too?
0: Oh yeah. <laughs> um, I'm guessing it's like the rule. The rule monger.
2: I think it's the whole reason why you keep your fleshy pl- pleasure bridge out. Yeah, that's
3: fair. I mean, if you don't have that out, the backseat massaging just isn't as good. I'm
1: right.
2: There's <laughs> really real. no point. Just ask
3: Deshaun Watson. (laughs) No NFL fans here. That went way over everybody's head.
0: That being said, thank you for listening to Night Owl Nerds Matters at Hand, vaguely covering sessions ten through fourteen. We hope you enjoyed this, and we look forward to you joining us on future campaign sessions. Good night.
4: Moss, take the metal spoon from gun.
1: Oh God. <laughs>
3: I'm, I'm trying. It's in his mouth. I think we have to, I have to pull it out. Oh, I believe God. that's a strength check.
5: <laughs> <laughs>
3: contested. Yeah. Parole contested
5: strength checks. I will assist. <laughs>
0: <laughs> oh, who are you assisting, Gurn or Moss? Moss. <laughs> Moss roll at advantage.
3: Uh dirty
2: twenty.
5: Break all his teeth.
2: <laughs> I have a dirty twenty as well. <laughs>
0: <laughs> oh, God. Standing in the middle of the tavern of of (laughs) Interium as as Moss tries to pull a wooden stick out of Gurn's mouth. The sounds of cracking wood and low chuckles from Gurn as he clenches down on that wood in his mouth.
5: With the metal, (laughs) actually?
0: We depart. Whatever. (laughs) We depart from this matters at hand, never knowing who got the spoon. Good night.
4: Where's the K? <laughs> <laughs>